The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of December. I Rebel, Dan Wagner, Jed Winters, Christopher Valenz, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector, Tristan Pantorato, and Wilshire. The GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So, Mike, we've been waiting for a sequel to a a legendary film for the better part of, what, 25 years, almost 30 years, let's say, a classic film, Space Jam, of course. And uh, Space Jam New Legacy came out earlier in 2021, I think. I don't remember. It's all the same. Yeah, it doesn't really matter anymore. Uh, I finally did go and see it, or I saw it at home, uh, and I got to say, it's a pretty bad movie. Yeah, and I think that was the universal kind of um, uh, rhetoric around that movie when it came out. I did not see it. I didn't want to pay money to see it in theaters. I will watch it because um, we talked about it when we talked about Looney Tunes back in action. Neil, was it better or worse than Looney Tunes back in action? That's a tough question because Mm -hmm. Looney Tunes back in action for me has so much nostalgia for it. I think Looney Tunes back in action is the better film. It's got Brendan Fraser, who I love. It's got Steve Martin, who I love. Uh, It's got some other actors in there that I can't remember that I love. That's the thing about Space Jam New Legacy is that there's very few like cameo stars that the older cartoon movies did very well. Like the original Space Jam, of course, of course, had Bill Murray, Wayne Knight and more. This one, I like there's Don Cheadle and like a couple other guys that maybe I'm supposed to know. And that's what I was most concerned about going into the film or not so much concerned, just that the majority of the negatives towards the film that I heard was that there's just too many uh, franchises in the movie. It's like, supposed it's to be too, like a big ad almost. It's a big ad for exactly a big ad for um, for Warner Bros. And I don't really have a big problem with that. Like crossover films are just the thing right now, especially with Marvel and Star Wars, just everything crossing over into one another that and like Ready Player One is a big uh, is a big target to that criticism as well. I don't really have as big a problem with that as everybody else if it's done well. And actually, I'm going to spoil it. The majority <laughs> of the crossovers are it's just the audience like the it, like if you look out while they're playing quote unquote basketball, there's like Iron Giant in the stands. There's Scooby Doo in the stands. There's uh, characters from Game of Thrones, which I didn't even know Game of Thrones was a uh was a Warner Bros. license, but I guess it is. Hmm. Um, so that's really the majority of the um, of the crossover there. It's just characters in the audience, which is fine. Okay. My bigger issue with it is honestly how they handled the characters. Like the Looney Tunes characters are all terrible. Like Bugs Bunny is way too emotional. Like he he's not supposed to be like some alcoholic character. <laughs> he's not supposed to be this emotional uh, and like crying all the time. Like he's supposed to really kind of be like a more laissez-faire. Yeah, Everything's going to work Daffy out Because Daffy is the, the, the emotional one. Exactly. The only character I think that they did well is Wiley Coyote, mainly because all you have to do is blow him up and that's, <laughs> that's it. Like Fair. other than him, every other character was disappointing for me. Yeah, that's unfortunate to hear. But uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not surprising considering what I had seen about <laughs> it uh, and what I had heard. But um, Neil, something I watched recently and mm-hmm. uh all, which is also which came out at some point as well in 2021 <laughs> 2020 who knows but uh, i was the mandalorian i finally finished that series um i watched the last couple episodes i i'd been i had watched the first half of season two and i never finished it not because okay. it was bad i just you know other things was, were going on i don't know sure and uh like this podcast but i did finally finish it and i got to say 
the last episode of season two is really, really hype. Oh my oh, god. Yeah. I might be the best thing uh in the post George Lucas Star Wars since uh Rogue One where uh where Darth Vader comes on the ship. Probably. There's very few great Star Wars moments since Rogue One for me. And another one that comes to mind is the Clone Wars, the cartoon. The very last couple of episodes of that are also very hype. I, I don't know if you need to watch the entire series to get it. You might actually like watching the last half of that series as well. But The Mandalorian was interesting for me because that series came out in late... It was when Disney Plus launched, right? So what yeah. was that, 2018, Late 2018, I think. I think. And you and I were both not very hot on it, I remember. It just was it, – it, the first season didn't really do anything for me. I know I'm sure no. there's people out there listening being like, no, it was mm-hmm. good. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. And, and I, I do – you know, I got to give them a lot of credit for the production value and the, the time and effort and the care that John Favreau put into creating that series. But I think mm-hmm. season two, they just got everything right, like just more so. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't get praise that often for stuff like this. So uh, I, I got to say it was really good. It was like season one for me. It wasn't so much the story or like I love Baby Yoda. I love Mandalorian. I love uh, Carl Weathers is in there, too. It was really like all of the side characters, like every person that he came across, the Mandalorian came across. I just did not like I couldn't not see Bill Burr on a spaceship. Yeah, that, I think that's, <laughs> that was a little that just hard. took me out of it. Like this guy is from the comedy specials that I love. Like I could not unsee that. Yeah. Uh, see, season two did was a lot stronger, and I'm very excited for Boba Fett, which is coming out in just a few short days from this episode. So uh, looking forward to see where that goes. And Star Wars is on the upswing for me. Like we've had a couple of disappointing films. Um, I didn't love Mandalorian season one, but season two was good. And, and uh, Kenobi's the, coming, Neil. Oh my Kenobi God. is coming. I don't think I've ever been more excited for something. <laughs> <laughs> than Kenobi because because it's well you and I have talked about this at length and we're not going to take this whole episode to talk about it because we could but we are so excited for Ewan our boy Ewan uh who's I'd say he's just a notch below Vigo Mortensen for for babe status oh probably he's definitely up there for me as well <laughs> I, I think I'm just more excited to see Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan yeah. more than just seeing an Obi-Wan story I don't give a I and Hayden Christensen that's he's rumored to be back right is that he, confirmed no, he's confirmed that he's, he's confirmed confirmed very good. I'm excited. I think that they're going to do a good job with it. Like I, so. I, They've had time to adjust and correct what was wrong with the prequels. I think Hayden Christensen knows what to do. He's a good actor. Like He's fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that they're going to get Natalie Portman back. But uh, <laughs> well, she, also McGregor and <laughs> she is also dead. But she could come back as a force ghost or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think she has the force. I think she's just dead, Neil. I think I think, <laughs> I think the Queen of Naboo and Jar Jar are both uh, long in the ground. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Mike, something that we missed a couple weeks ago, we did not talk about it. This is not a timely podcast for obvious reasons. <laughs> the majority of our content is about things that happened 20 years ago. But a couple <laughs> weeks ago, there were the video game awards. I just thought it might be fun for you and I to to go through sure. it a little bit. Uh, just talk about a couple of the awards. There are quite a few. Uh, I did not realize how many game awards there are. I've, truth be told, never watched the game awards. I always just read about them afterwards. They're a little cringe not... to watch, to be honest. I, I've, oh, I'm sure. I've watched and... them a couple times, and they, they try and straddle the line between, like, hey, gamers and Oscars, right? So <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it can right. be a little cringe to watch. But I know Sting performed uh, mm. uh, at at the awards this time, and we love Sting here, so that's pretty oh, cool. Yeah. That's the thing that you miss out when you just read the reviews and, and just – I just want to know what won and what was announced. Yeah. And uh, I heard that the Game Awards this year were not well received. Uh, I'm assuming it's because it was four hours long and they probably didn't have four hours worth of content to fill that time. Yep. But uh, anyway, uh, Game of the Year went to It Takes Two. I've not played that game yet, but I really want to. Mm-hmm. 
Best Game Direction went to Deathloop. Best Narrative was Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Best Art Direction was also Deathloop. Best Score, Near Replicant. Audio Design, Forza. Uh, very few Nintendo games in here until we get to Action Slash Adventure Game, which was Metroid Dread. And Best stra- best Strategy Game went to Age of Empires 4. Ooh, well, Marty will be happy about that. Yeah, I'm happy about that. <laughs> Glad to see that that game still gets some praise. Uh, there's a ton of other awards dedicated to esports, accessibility, uh, best games per genre, and so on. But for me, the most exciting part of the Game Awards is the announcements. There were a few games uh, that were announced and some DLC that I'd like to talk about. Cuphead. Uh, one thing, Cuphead. Yeah, one thing to kick it right off there is Cuphead DLC. Uh, Cuphead, the indie game made by uh, a studio from here in Toronto. You and I both adored that game. You've beaten it, I believe, correct? A couple times over. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Still trying to 100% it. I know. Well, not. it's technically 200% it because you 100% <laughs> it when you beat the game, then you get another 100%. But um, from wow. the show, Kirsten, she is like a lot closer than I am to complete, completely completing it. But now with the DLC, Delicious Last Course coming out, uh, which is very clever. I love that name. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of fun to keep playing and i know that was supposed to come out like a year after cuphead oh, yeah. so uh you know i i understand they're drawing these things you know this is all by hand so take exactly. your time exactly there's no way that you can speed this up any faster and honestly take your time like we want this game to look good we want it to work we know it's going to be great they also are, do all the original music and yeah. and they're also creating a netflix show as well which is going to coincide with the dlc so we're going to get lots of cuphead and i'm i'm stoked for that that was probably the biggest announcement from the vgas that i was most excited for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's on the heels of seeing a star wars trailer we're getting a star wars eclipse game uh, made by the folks who make uh, Heavy Rain, yep. Beyond Two Souls, and Detroit Become Human. Uh, I've heard that that game is not actually coming out for a few years, <laughs> so we've got some time to build hype for it, but uh looked interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like every game these days, whenever announcements come out, it's like, sick, I can't wait to play this in 2028. Yeah, I think I think more developers need to get into the habit of announcing things closer to when they come out. Like, I think Fallout 4, which was like six months before it came out, yeah. which was, not a game that I played, but I would appreciate it if that happened more often. Yeah, it's a whole thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the I read a really funny little brief about the Game Awards on, on Nintendo Life, a website we like to go on a lot. And it says, the Game Awards is a little more than just a three-hour display of the AAA industry congratulating itself on being the AAA industry. <laughs> Nintendo is fine not being a part of it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't hate it too much because we spend a bit of time on this podcast congratulating ourselves on some of the progress that we make. Thank you, GameCube. Uh, Thank you, us. <laughs> <laughs> We're so great. Sponsored by, I don't know, Twitch. Sponsored by Bowser Oil. There were a lot of sponsorships in the Video Game Awards, too. I think that that was another point of uh, criticism was just the amount of sponsorship ads. But you got to sell these things somehow. So, yeah, yeah. Neil, we have a response from Wilshire from Patreon. We don't necessarily have a Patreon topic today, but uh, we talked about their topic last week on the Lord of the Rings episode uh, when they talked about how they, uh, well, it was the, in the Third Age, there was like the glitch that they could just yeah. like, get all the spells all the time. And yeah. uh, Wilshire says, you asked if I could remember that what that combo was that I found in the Third Age, and I do. Israel eventually gets two actions per turn so she can cast a resurrection aura on herself and attack. If she ever dies, she gets resurrected and gets to take her turn immediately. Rinse and repeat. (laughs) It does take a while to get all the abilities needed, so you can't do this for most of the game. P.S. 
I also switched the order of your names in my post just to see if you would comment or even notice. I was not disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're definitely creatures of habit. I noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> Mike and Neil's name were out of order, and I it does trip me up. We've done we've been doing this now for over eighty weeks, and uh, if you switch up the littlest thing, we will notice. Yeah. But that's an interesting glitch. That's basically like giving yourself infinite monster reborns if you're playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a good way to think about it. Infinite pot of greeds. Infinite, yeah, you just draw until... I think, though, if you keep drawing pot of greeds, eventually you'll lose. Because in Yu-Gi-Oh!, if your deck runs out of cards, I believe you lose. Is that true? I actually didn't know that. I think so. Well, what else are you going to do? Like, you're, you're out of cards. This is getting way too out of track. <laughs> Thank you so much, Wilshire, for uh, writing back to us to let us know what we missed there in the third age. I, I would love to try and find that glitch show. I think you have to get farther into the game, though, uh, to level up Idriel so that yeah. she has enough, I guess... You have to level up her stats enough so that you have that power. Um, but still, sounds pretty interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mike, I think it's time for our favorite segment. What do you think? I think it's time for the mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to write into the show and leave us a review, you can do so on whatever podcast service you listen to us on, or you can just send us a DM on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We will try to read them on the podcast. Just like God Plays Nintendo gave us a five-star on Apple Podcast USA. God Plays Nintendo says, Great discussions about a great system. It's great to hear breakdowns about these games, but Mike and Neil often dive even further into that. You get to hear personal stories from them and sometimes cool guests, too. Nice. And their experiences with the source material that the titles are based on. A must-listen for any fan of video games and of Nintendo. Well, thank you very much, God Plays Nintendo. We appreciate that. I'm sure God that God does play Nintendo. Most likely GameCube, but uh, I, I'd see he's probably an NES guy. If you went to heaven, or when you go to heaven, I suppose, and you meet God, and what, what's the first game you're going to play with God? Well, first of all, Neil, uh, uh-huh. I, 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 I'd safely say I don't think we're getting there. And, and you oh. know what? <laughs> oh, my God. It's okay. <laughs> I don't know what the criteria is if it does exist at all but uh because if you went to hell you'd see some way cooler pe- people down there like way cooler mm. I got to say the conversations would be much more interesting than the people in heaven you'd meet all the characters from Seinfeld basically if you go to hell Exactly see and that's not too bad that's not too bad if you went to to heaven you'd meet Bizarro Jerry and uh mm. and that gang which is you know they they seem a little boring they, for me They kind of suck Yeah if I went to heaven and I met God, first of all, I'd like to play Dosh and the Giant with him just to mm. see like if he, if he was like, yeah, this is kind of like what it's like for a day in the life of me. Uh, I want to know, like, how accurate is Dosh and the Giant really to being <laughs> the overseer of the human race? Yeah, I, I like that. Okay. Yeah, Dosh and the Giant's a good one. I play a little bit of Harvest Moon as well. I think he'd be a Story of Seasons guy, not Harvest Moon guy anymore because and then he'd, he'd tell me the whole Natsume controversy mm. and everything and we'd just get into a big discussion about that while while playing It's a Wonderful Life. God knows everything about Natsume. He's a big fan of Harvest Moon. (laughs) (sighs) What the heck are we talking about? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 78 of the GameCube Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 345 games. You can visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our 
our very own Mike Lane. And Count Olaf. Don't forget. That's you. Last <laughs> week, we talked about Lord of the Rings to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Fellowship of the Ring. Can't believe it's been 20 years since that film came out. This week, we're wrapping up the year with one of our movie tie-in episode themes, which uh, we talk about a load of video games that were based on films that were... Uh, the films were, for the most part, popular at the time. Some, we have no idea why those games came out. <laughs> Some of the movies, no one saw. We did this last year for movies from 2001 to 2002. Uh, if you haven't already, go back and check out episode 29. I actually went back and listened to it. It's not a bad episode. We actually had our uh, had our um, podcasting routine together by then, so it's a good one. Nice. That's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, we were doing good. We were doing good work a year ago, but this year we're covering movie tie-ins from 2003 to 2004. Uh, and I did the research for this episode while listening to our podcast from last year, so I really got into the spirit. Nice. Uh, you, you know what's funny is I was thinking of this. This this might be the most research I've ever done for this podcast, for this this episode, just because a lot of these games I've never played, so I had to mm -hmm. really dive into them and understand them. And also, I wanted to talk about each franchise, too, because there's, you know, I'd say the majority of these games have quite you know large franchises They've been around for a while, and of course, the reason we're doing, or one of the reasons we're doing it, uh, this episode this week is because the Matrix of Resurrections is coming out. Uh, you know, it's been 18 years since we had uh, a Matrix movie, and well, and uh, 16 years since we had a Matrix game. So, yeah, really wanted to talk about that. I actually bought Enter the Matrix because I saw it at our local video game store for 15 bucks and uh, has a great holographic cover. And I said, well, why not? Let's just play this two-disker. So uh, I, <laughs> I I had some good times playing that. But let's, uh, let's start with our first game of the day. What do you think, Neil? All right, let's do it. Let's start with Men in Black 2 Alien Escape, which was released on February 27, 2003. The game is developed by Infogrames Melbourne House, published by Atari. This game is also on PlayStation 2, rates a 5 out of 10, priced at $45. Mike, what's interesting about this game is that I never see it anywhere. I have never seen this game anywhere. And uh, we're going to talk about this, but basically all these games other than this game, uh, you see this, you see them almost everywhere. Like Shark Tale, mm -hmm. we'll be talking about it in a bit. <laughs> that game is literally at every game store I've ever yes. been to. But Men yes. in Black, yeah, $45 for a movie tying game is very expensive for one uh, as, as an average price. And before we talk about the game, I just like to talk about Men in Black in general, because this was a pretty big part of our childhood. It was. I tie this movie into, coincidentally, I tie uh, Men in Black in with some of the other kitty sci-fi movies of the time, Space Jam being one of them. Mm. For some reason, whenever I think Space Jam, I also think Men in Black. I also think of something like Ghostbusters, yep. just movies that were on like YTV at the time. <laughs> like you'd, you'd come home from school, maybe it's a Saturday night or whatever, and you go to channel 25 and men in black is on it was on like on ytv all the time you're right and that and that's how i watched it i don't think we ever rented it from blockbuster i never saw any of the sequels i always just saw it in fragments uh when i was either not feeling well or like after hockey i would turn on the tv and here's men in black uh the 1997 film starring will smith and tommy lee jones both terrific actors yeah and uh we've had multiple men in black movies since then i believe that there was one a couple years ago with uh with chris hemsworth which uh i don't know if that was very well received it but wasn't. uh okay uh, yeah men in black international in 2019 and yeah the original trilogy spans three movies 97 to 2012 mm -hmm. and uh i didn't know this neil it was originally they were comic books so there's yes. the men in black comic books that uh came out in the early 90s and that's what inspired the films 
Yeah, did you see it was it was a very short run comic book series. I found that too. It was only six issues from nineteen nineties and nineteen ninety one. Have you taken a look at the first cover, like issue one, the cover? No, I don't think I actually looked at the cover. I just was reading like what they were about. Okay, just just really quickly, like we can edit this through, but Google Men in Black issue one. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, you got it up there. So what do you think about that? Because looking at the cover of the of the comic book, you would not think you're going to get this kind of buddy cop film starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. So you're talking about the one that it's, the, it's so it's actually the men in black with the, the woman kind of, I guess, holding her chest almost in like a very provoc- provocative pose with blood stains on the corners. And then just a guy with like a, a rifle standing there in the, in the classic men in black look. Yeah. Like a lot of the, a lot of the uh, comics, like the covers are very dark. Um, they are. They're like, they're very so I, I noticed that the they had a logo an initial logo and then they changed the logo when the, the films came out to the, the when they reissued them uh, mm-hmm. it looks like but uh yeah oh my god that's that's it looks like Resident Evil yeah Resident Evil some kind of horror thing like almost Evil Dead yeah or like a, yeah. like a like a Romero movie like it does not look like it's gonna be a fun comic book like you almost think of like the killing joke or some dark Knight. Very dark comic. Yeah, it looks so it's interesting. Frank Miller-esque for sure. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting that they got this movie out of those comic books. And the movie is very well loved. It has a 92% on Rotten it's Tomatoes. Movie. It's fantastic. The music is by Danny Elfman. We love him. Um, and the mo- the film grossed $560 million on a budget of $90 million. Wow. So this movie definitely made its money back. Unfortunately, it was eventually followed up with the the sequel, Men in Black 2, in 2002, so five years later. Uh, Same director, same music, done by Danny Elfman and directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. Uh, This this movie has a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes (laughs) and grossed slightly less, $440 million, on a budget of $140 million. Uh, I don't think I've seen Men in Black 2. I don't remember. They all kind of bleed in for me. I, I really just remember the first one uh, really mm-hmm. well. I think I might have seen the third one at some point and definitely have not seen the fourth one. Um, but there was also the TV series that, that was around. And I kind of remember that uh, from 97 to 2001. Um, and and there's six games as well, uh, wow. which I thought was, was pretty incredible for, for a series like this. We got Men in Black, the game, which came up for PS1 and PC in 97. We got Men in Black, the series for Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance in 99. Men in Black 2, the series for 2000 uh, and 2000 for Game Boy Color. Men in Black, the series Crashdown for PlayStation 1. Men in Black 2, Alien Escape, which we're talking about today for PS2 and GameCube, like you said. And then the newest one is Men in Black, Alien Crisis for PS3, Wii, and 360, which was the... uh, the the third movie tie-in that's also a very late movie tie-in 2012 that's very late i feel like i see that game quite a bit I more I, I can i can picture the mib on a wii case yeah. <laughs> oh geez I, I i can't say that i share the same nostalgia for for men in black other than the fact that i remember seeing it on on saturday nights like i said but uh i can definitely see the appeal like the the pen light the uh a mind racing pen light is iconic for films and sci-fi these days or just of all time, really, like you, you know that 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 is referenced in so many things. That mind eraser pen. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is. It's like it's one of the 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 mainstays of the series, and and yeah, you see it referenced in constant uh, media where they use any kind of space or alien trope. Yeah, I remember it being a toy. I think it was at Wendy's. That was like a <laughs> toy that you get, and it might have been a laser pointer or something that was probably not allowed to be in a kid's toy, but. 
we got it anyway. But yes, the actual game. Uh, since we yes. have nine games to talk about today, <laughs> we'll have to go through some of these a little quicker than others. We obviously want That's to talk true. about the franchises because they are very important. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the, the game itself is... Uh, I would, I guess you could call it like an action adventure shooter. It's mostly a shooter more than anything. Uh, constant shooting, actually. Uh, if you mm-hmm. watch gameplay of this, you know, and scroll to any point, you will just find uh, either Agent K or Agent J constantly shooting their gun. And I know that yep. they don't actually use their their, their likenesses. Like uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith technically aren't in the game, but like they just no. they used like a like people who kind of look like them. So it's like okay. Kind of. They use generic black guy and generic, generic white guy. older white guy <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to, to be the two characters, which is fine. That, that really is – it really was a flip of the coin as to whether or not the characters were – it was almost like gambling as a kid. Like, ooh, I wonder if the actors are going to be in this movie yeah. game or not. And half the time they were, half the time they weren't. And this is one of those times where they were not. And uh, the game that I compared Men in Black to is actually that – remember that Space Invaders game reboot that we talked exactly about earlier exactly what I was thinking. Year? I have that written down too. Yep. Yeah, exactly the same thing. Space like you're Raiders. Kind of sh- Space Raiders, that was it. You're kind of strafing from left to right, just holding down on that firing button, shooting at, at aliens. And uh, that's it, really. Like, there's no differentiate. There's nothing different about level one to level five. Uh, it's a very linear game. Um, the one thing I did, I, I am trying to find, like, something good about all of these games. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And that was the uh, environments. The ex- the way that the environments kind of explode and uh, react to your guns hitting them was actually not bad. I was I was actually looking at, like, boxes blowing up and buildings crumbling or whatever it was and, and thought, like, hey, this is actually pretty good. Like, the, the, ex- the environments exploding which is not the point of the game at all but yeah uh that was a thing at the time was like destructible environments was like what can you destroy in the level that was pretty new yeah like to be able to actually do that that this was like the first generation where you could do that yeah we used to do that all the time in night in uh in goldeneye actually you'd shoot the wall and you'd go look at the bullet hole like, yeah that was something that we did in games back when we had nothing else to do i guess <laughs> One thing I was confused about, though, is what is the music in this game? It's some oh, kind of, yeah. like, weird jazz, like, elevator music. But it, it sounds, sounds like, I, I don't know about you, but it sounds, like, almost compressed to me. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, well, I mean, it was compressed, but it, it doesn't sound good at all. And, and again, I compare this every single time, but Soul Calibur 2 comes out in 2002. This comes out a little mm. little less than a year later. Soul Calibur 2's music just sounds phenomenal. It sounds so crisp. Yeah. Uh, and then we have this just sounding... <laughs> very muddy and yeah you're right it's like the entire time i'm uh, playing it it just feels very like that yeah like an elevator jazz music and you you know what's funny too is that it almost like amplifies it because the levels are so empty it feels like you're in an elevator (laughs) like that was that was one of my biggest criticisms was that the levels are are quite empty and the enemies spawn from like different areas so that you don't have Mm -hmm. to actually load them in and it just you know which is a classic method of 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 arcade gaming right but Mm -hmm. for something like men in black i don't know I, i would expect a little more effort put into the enemies i guess so like they were just looking for run of the mill alien targets to shoot at yeah. and honestly i could have seen this game be a lot more successful as just a cabinet at palladium yep. or dave and busters these days uh because that is how it plays it would have been perfect for something uh along those lines but uh it was on console it exists if you want you can go suss it out uh mike i think it's time that we read the back of the case of men in black because like you said we have a lot of games to cover today and uh we should probably get moving yeah let's do it all right but first victor hit us with that sweet jingle It's time to read what's on the back of the case. 
there's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Equipped with an arsenal of unearthly ammo, it's up to Agent J and Agent K to save the Earth from the scum of the universe yet again. So, slip on your shades, choose your favorite man in black, and wield all six of his super cool anti-alien weapons while you fight off perps like the shark guy and Jaro. <laughs> I don't remember those aliens having names, but <laughs> no, there they are. Yeah, yeah uh, I know, yeah, the plot is roughly like, yeah, they're required to stop aliens from blowing up Earth, uh, the, mm -hmm. their ship, the Class 7 Ozone Demographifier, uh, they investigate aliens living on Earth, you know, similar to the film. It's just, it's it's like most of these movie tie-ins. Yep, they stretch it out to be approximately one hour longer than the <laughs> film it's based on. <laughs> yep. Moving on to our next game today is Enter the Matrix, which was released on May 14th, 2003. This game is developed by Shiny Entertainment. It's published by Atari. This game is also on PlayStation 2, Xbox, and Windows. Rates a 6 out of 10. Uh, priced today at around $15. And uh, fun fact, the game was released on the same day as the movie, Matrix Reloaded. Uh, throughout the film, there are numerous billboards uh, to be seen. And uh, these billboards actually contain cheat codes for the game. So there's... A bit of a movie crossover tie-in there, which is really cool. Well, so so this game is, I gotta say, I so I was able to actually play it uh, this week and last week as well, getting getting a feel for it. I watched the, the Matrix to just get into this world a bit more, and we'll talk about the Matrix, the franchise, in a second. But mm. this game is is honestly really revolutionary, and I don't think I've really seen something do this again. Uh, it was definitely risky and didn't exactly pan out the way they wanted it to, but okay. it, it's it's a pretty cool game because it does interweave a lot of these cutscenes and a lot of this narrative from the movie into the game, as well as the fact that a lot of footage in this game was solely shot for the game. Right. It's 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 like B-roll. Like they yeah. made an entire game out of B-roll from the films, which is really neat. It's crazy. Like the Wachowskis, so who obviously directed the Matrixes, uh, they they did this movie. This was all them, uh, and they were really really uh, keen on making sure that this movie tie-in wasn't just a movie tie-in. It was a game on its own, and and it was a different experience than you just picking up a a generic movie tie-in at the time. Very revolutionary. I liked it. It almost reminds me of uh, the the Third Age, which we talked about just yes. a week ago, uh, being a companion piece to the the trilogy, the the Peter Jackson trilogy for Lord of the Rings. Uh, the Matrix trilogy, while very beloved and well known, obviously, it does not it does not quite hold the same uh, prestige as Lord of the Rings does. Obviously, uh, the first film, Matrix One, was released in 1999. That is a cult classic. I love Matrix One. Oh, I wouldn't uh, say cult classic. That's just a classic. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. it's an actual film classic. Yeah, uh, it's way ahead of its time. 88% on Rotten Tomatoes made. 470 million dollars on a 63 million dollar budget and fun fact it was filmed in toronto and its two co-stars are uh canadian keanu reeves and uh, carrie ann moss both back for matrix 4 which is just coming out right around now but uh matrix reloaded was released in 2003 this movie uh did slightly worse critically a 73 percent on rotten tomatoes but on the box office did really well with 740 million dollars matrix 3 2003 was the bomb of the trilogy revolutions I Revolutions, uh, 35% on Rotten Tomatoes and made $427 million. 
uh, on the same budget, 140 million. So it grossed the least and did horribly critically compared to the other three. And of course, we have the newest one, Matrix Four, which is out right now. Uh, neither of us have seen it. And there's Resurrections. There's no reviews out yet. At least maybe there are. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but we don't have enough. Uh, enough information to talk about that one yet this is just about the original trilogy which i watched for the first time from start to finish this year i had seen matrix one a lot as a kid but for some reason never saw two and three i I saw two and three once and i still haven't seen them since i first watched them maybe about 10 years ago i meant to rewatch them i just didn't get around to it didn't have have a chance i did rewatch original matrix because i i love that movie i think it's fantastic i every time i watch it i think i like it more Mm-hmm. It honestly yeah. holds up so well. I wanted to watch it again because uh, one of our friends of the show, Matt, he came over and brought his PS5. So I got Ooh. to play his PS5 for the first time and got to play the Matrix Awakens uh, Unreal Engine demo. Oh, that wh- looks amazing. Which was, dude, I could have spent hours playing it. And it's, wow. you know, it's it's just... It's just driving around, really. <laughs> but yeah. it's it's so much fun. And really what's interesting, and everyone, if you do have an Xbox Series S, Xbox Series X, and a PS or a PS5... Thanks, Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please play, like, download it and play it because the intro movie of it is unbelievable because mm-hmm. it's actually, other than the archive footage, the rest of it is actually uh, digitally created. That's incre- That's crazy. I was watching that on YouTube because yeah. I don't have a PS5 yet, but uh, I thought it was reenacted and they were just using, I guess, technology to make uh, Keanu Reeves look younger and whatnot. But I was thinking like, this cannot be rendered graphics. There's no way. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, most, most of it, I know some of it is archive footage and everything, but um, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing to see and was uh, just a treat to play. My God, I had so much fun playing it. And and then I was like, okay, I got to get more back into the Matrix. I got to watch the movies. Uh, there's, of, of course, the uh, Animatrix, which I think people, some people like. I like the Animatrix. I think it's really interesting. Uh, that was the animated show? Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, well, like, it was a movie, but I know, so I didn't know this, but it was an actual movie. But when, how we saw it, I believe, was usually they would break it into small episodes. on ytv or something because i remember watching it like episodically yeah it's funny because i it's coincidentally i remember being on around the same time as the men in black show (laughs) and then there was also a show based on the mummy yes uh, that's right random cartoons based on these movies that we liked in the late 90s early 2000s which is really funny and they were all around the same time slot like just between spongebob and pokemon or something yeah yeah that's right But uh, yeah, this is the first, the Matrix video game, just jumping into Enter the Matrix. This is the first video game based on the trilogy. Yes, that's right, Neil. Yeah, which I was a little surprised about, you know, not that they didn't put out anything until 2003, until they were ending, quote unquote, the the franchise. And then, of course, uh, the Matrix Path of Neo came out in 2005, which is another interesting game. Uh, that that tried to to do a lot of different things, but I know also kind of critically didn't do that well. But I, I hear a lot of people talking about it. It's on PS2, Xbox, and Windows. Uh, and then of course there's the Matrix Online, which is a an, an MMO, which I know that's just, that's just the Matrix. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? Which is always like an interesting thing to me. It's like this is very meta, <laughs> but but very popular, very popular. I know, but th- that's why I kept thinking while I was doing research for the show is just that like the Matrix is probably the movie to make a movie tie-in video game. Yes, yeah. Like, it's it's a virtual world that you could do anything you want. Like they're basically going into GTA, 
uh, to go mess around and mess with the physics and dodge bullets, which Matrix, just like Men in Black, is referenced in so many films and cartoons. Anytime you see an actor dodge a bullet or something, you know, they do something funny, they always do a Matrix pose of go, yeah, you know, the bullet time. Their, yep. The bullet time, which was method of filming that had never been seen before it was really not neat. not and at least not in western cinemas you know a lot of no. stuff came from H- hong kong action films and, and that genre and then yeah, the wachowskis kind of took it on its own and, and spun it and, and added the philosophical themes and then yeah you get the matrix with our boy keanu of course <laughs> and uh like when, when this game starts up i instantly thought of for some reason it looks a bit like spider-man one uh yep. the, the based on the film uh same kind of physics same with the motions, characters. Yeah. Same motion, same lighting effects, same graphics. It just looks like that. The only difference with this one is, which I guess Spider-Man can technically can technically do it too, is you have that focus meter, uh, which lets you do the matrixy things. Once that meter hits a certain point, you can dodge bullets, slow down time, all the cool matrix stuff, which uh, makes the game really fun. So how was playing this game, Mike? Does it control well? Does it hold up to the uh to, to the content that it's based on? I, so it's funny that you started with controls because I'd, I'd actually say that the controls are probably the weakest part of this game, yeah. uh, mostly because the mapping is just so weird. Uh, the action button is Z. What? Yeah, so that... I mean, you know, it's it's fine. You get used to it, but I still don't like it. I'm still not that's happy the, about it. That's the button that 20 years later, some people don't even know exists. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, that took me a little bit to figure that one out. Uh, and then... Uh, y is shoot, which uh, oh, is God. also horrible. Why is it not a trigger? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, the the controls in that sense are, are are really bad. But other than that, like to start, I'm just gonna start from the beginning here. Starting this game off, just immediate action, uh, mm-hmm. just and very light tutorials. You know, just kind of peppered wherever you are. Again, a lot like the third age. And I got to give them a lot of credit for that because that's something that these games, especially movie time games, did not do. You know, no. most of them had the game controller on the screen saying, this is how you use it. <laughs> yeah, three hours in, you still see it. <laughs> and it. And it took me a while to figure out, you know, where to go. And not in a bad way, necessarily. I got to explore a lot of areas. There was quite a few enemies around and, and the, the worlds felt, you know, relatively lived in. Uh, mm. uh, like I'd say better than Men in Black in that sense, and there sure. there is a lot of exploration elements, and just in general, I think the game has has such a a grand idea of what mm. it should be, but it, the problem is that, is that it's made in two thousand three, and they just can't reach it, and yeah. and that's what I really found with this game. Uh, there's all the el- the. the Elements for them to succeed are all there, but it just making a game this size on a movie tie-in is just really unfeasible. So there ends up being a lot of repetition because of that. And Mm -hmm. whether it's the levels, whether it's the like the 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 gameplay, whether it's like the characters you use. Other than that, the the story is really cool. The fact that a lot of it it's it's almost like an original piece, like a complete original companion piece to the movie. Well, it just about is. Like, I was reading up, and the Wachowski brothers who directed the film, they, they made a 244-page script just for this game. So they basically made another movie uh, to be put on these consoles, which it's kind of criminal, like you said. Like, the consoles really weren't there yet, technically, to, to do what their vision was, I think, which makes me very excited for this demo that you played 
on the PS5, I think that they can really make like if you can't make a good Matrix game now, I don't think you ever will. <laughs> uh, now is the, the good a good time as ever to do that. The the game took two and a half years to produce, which is yeah about three times longer than the average movie tie-in game at the time. <laughs> uh, it was a twenty million dollar budget, not including the marketing expenses or the cost of extra movie footage. So twenty million dollars to develop the game. Now that's actually something that I don't know a ton about is uh, cost of making video games. I'd like to learn more about it, uh, but I did a bit of research on vgsales.com the average video game in in the ps2 xbox gamecube generation was three to five million dollars usd wow that's average doesn't include games like you know the the mario games or halo or anything like that but just average about three to five million this was 20 million so about four times more than the average yeah that's actually insane like and the you know the the wakowski spent a lot of money in 2003 putting this out putting the two movies out uh, and you know, obviously, they did get a great return from from the second one, so they were able to to actually make this game. But that is insane, but not surprising because yeah, playing this game, you can see how ambitious it really is. And you know, it's on two discs as well. Uh, can you uh, can you think of a movie tie-in game that's on two discs? No, I mean, like I can think of the Third Age, which is technically a movie tie-in, but it's not franchise based on tie-in. A f- franchise tie-in yeah movie tie-in no i, I cannot <laughs> that that's wild i'm sure that they had to struggle to get the game on gamecube i'm sure it was easier to to put on ps2 xbox and windows but all that hard work did pay off i think that this game is or at least was bigger than we we think it was it sold five million copies by Good. may of 2004 which is half a million more than the legend of zelda wind waker oh wow that's actually crazy yeah. yeah, I don't think anyone, or I mean, I shouldn't say anyone, but I don't think a lot of people had this on GameCube. I think this was no. mostly a, a PS2, Xbox thing for sure. Yeah, because everybody owned Matrix on DVD. Like that was like the DVD that you buy. Yeah. I think Matrix DVD was at one point a pack-in for the PS2. So the PS2 is just a glorified DVD player. So like you're going to buy Matrix. The Matrix is huge. It's like it's like the gamer movie, really. Yeah. Uh, so it makes sense to buy the movie based on the game. Or buy the game based on the movie. It's a little surprising that it's rated teen. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, like, it's playing the game, it's not. But but thinking about The Matrix, I was a little surprised when I first saw that it was actually just a teen game. And it, well, most of that is because they don't show any blood. Uh, uh-huh. And they don't have two gruesome deaths like the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So I was, you know, I was a little disappointed at that. You could, I think you could have a better experience if you did um, make it an M game. But yeah, I think overall this game is extremely ambitious. It, it, I think it's, I think I would give it a seven out of ten just because of what they were able to do at the time with, uh, you know, even just like the bullet time is really well done in my opinion. Like that's that's something that so many modern games have nowadays, which is this like press R to slow down time. Uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, but back then, I can't really think of many. Uh, games that did it at all because it was technically challenging to be able to interact with the environments when you were completely slowed down yeah to slow down the frame rate and everything i don't think the gamecube processor could do that very well like i think of beautiful joe the 2d fighter game which you can slow down time which is part of the gameplay but but that was much on a smaller level though yes exactly and yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think. I haven't played a ton where, where the games do that. I also think of a game like Spider-Man, which kind of slows down time a little bit, but not not a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this game, do you ever play as Neo? Because I know that the game takes a place around the two supporting characters from Reloaded and Revolutions, uh, Ghost and Niobe. Yeah, I play as Niobe. Most of my, my time was playing as Niobe. Sure. 
Okay. You know, I, I wasn't able to finish this game also. I should oh, wow. I should make a preamble with that because it's a long game. There's a lot to it. I, it took me a while to get through things. It took me a while to learn, you know, where I was going. It's it's relatively complex. So hmm. uh, if I were to estimate, this is probably uh, a 20 hour game. Probably. I, I tried to get a how long to beat for all of these games, but I was more interested in the short ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that this is a bit more of a complete game. I would hope so. If the Wachowski brothers put all that effort into uh, funding it and uh, writing that really long script, I'm sure that it's it's quite a bit meatier than some of the other games that we're talking about today. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's very meaty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very meaty game. And uh, one more fun fact I have about it is uh, that... Uh, Due to poor reviews of the Matrix Enter the Matrix video game, unfortunately it was poorly reviewed at the time, uh, it inspired Warner Bros. to create a system where games with the WB license that received less than a 70% overall rating on average out of all the game reviews uh, would require extra royalties. This was created uh, in an effort to minimize bad movie licensed games from Warner Bros. products. Mm. Uh, that's according to Moby Games, a website that I really love. So uh, that kind of does make sense. Like not long after these types of games coming out, we did get a lot of good WB games. Like I think of like Injustice and uh, the Lego games and the Arkham series. Like W Warner Bros. games were very good in the seventh generation of consoles. Yeah, that's actually very true. I had no idea. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, just a little fun fact there for your day. Hmm. Uh, but that's about all I have about Matrix, Mike. Uh, shall we read the back of the case and move on to our next game? Yes, I have the case right here, Neil. All right, I'll let you do the honors. In the war to save Zion, what part will you play? Uh, Zion is, of course, the last human city uh, in in the world because of the machines and everything and all that. Watch mm-hmm. the movies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or un- don't. <laughs> un- unparalleled film collaboration resulting in... Oh, I can't read this because it's holographic. Uh. A true Matrix experience. Exclusive film footage from the creators of the Matrix trilogy. Battle alongside the original motion picture cast. Yep. Yep. Love it. So yeah, I guess I, you never play as Neo, but he is there at some point. Yeah, that, that's that's also really interesting that a first outing for the Matrix in video games and you don't get to play as Keanu Reeves. That was a bold move. Yeah, you actually get to play as a, you know, as a as a black woman in here, you know, a, a, like good representation for 2003. Damn. <laughs> and Ghost was the Asian guy, right? The actor was Anthony Wong, I have in my notes. So, yeah, you weren't playing as a, a, a white bro with a gun. Yeah, that's you know what? That's that is a, a good a good point. Basically, every one of these movies, not necessarily these movie tie ins, but just movie tie ins and movies in the 2000s. It's a white bro with a gun. Pretty much. Speaking of, let's move on to The Italian Job, which was released on July 17th, 2003. Developed by Climax Studios. Uh, They were in charge of a couple other extreme sports games and Hot Wheels games that we've talked about already. This game is published by Eidos. It's on PS2, Xbox, and Windows. Rates a 6 out of 10 and priced today at around $15. Uh, I saw this movie, I think it was back in 2005, The Italian Job, I suppose it's like the remake or the, the 20th, 21st century version of it. I, I loved this movie as a kid. I was a really big Seth Green fan. He was on like Family Guy, Scooby-Doo, uh, Without a Paddle, Robot Chicken. Uh, you also had like Mark Wahlberg, Edward Norton, Jason Statham, uh, Charlize Theron. That's how you say her name, right? Charlize? Charlize, uh, yeah, Theron. I, I say Theron, but I mean, it, Theron? I, I don't know. I guess it's Theron. Yeah, Theron definitely sounds more right. (laughs) Theron. She's a good-looking woman. I I, I think I had a bit of a crush on her when I was a kid. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, uh, Mike, for me, the Italian job, my memory of Italian job goes to uh, Canada's Wonderland, which is a theme park that you and I live very close to. Uh, We used to go there all the time in the summer, and it used to be owned by 
Paramount. It used yeah, to be called Paramount. Paramount Canada's Wonderland. You got it. And one summer, they put up the Italian Job stunt track, which was a fantastic ride that included explosions and fake gunfire and like going down tunnels. That was a big deal. Like we used to wait like an hour, hour and a half to go on that ride. And now that ride sucks <laughs> because uh, they got rid of – so Paramount sold it and uh, they had to change all the names of the rides. Like there was a Top Gun, there was a Tomb Raider, and of course there was Italian Job. And the Italian Job changed to uh, Fast Backlot, Car – Backlot, Backlot Stunt track. Coaster. Yeah. yeah something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Terrible name. And, and because of that, they got rid of the helicopters and the explosions when you stop. So instead of stopping, you just keep going. Yeah. And it they, sucks. They took out all – that was like the first experience ride, I think, at Wonderland, yeah. which was kind of like it, – it's not our Disney World, but it was always like our alternative to going to Disney World. And that was like one of the few experience rides that we had there, and it was so cool. And it was like it was like you were driving through a film set uh, for the Italian job, which was really neat. And the movie was was just as good. I really enjoyed it. It made one hundred and seventy six million dollars on a sixty million dollar budget. It's got a seventy three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So all in all, a pretty good movie based on the Italian job, which was a was that a film or a show yeah, from back? In uh, the day? It was a it was a movie in a show, I believe. But the nineteen sixty nine original movie uh, starring Michael Caine. And weirdly enough, Neil, there's actually a two thousand one italian job video game oh. uh that's based on the original 1969 movie so hmm. uh <laughs> it's kind of weird that this one then came out about a year and a half later based on uh of course the new movie mm -hmm. um and funny enough the dev for the that other game the 2001 game was rockstar oh wow yeah oh. uh, which i thought was really interesting because you know we've never played this but Apparently, the driving in that game is really, really well done because, of course, it's using the GTA 3 driving engine, right. which actually hadn't technically been released yet. It got released a couple weeks later. Wow, that's really cool. I had no idea. It's too bad that we didn't get that version on GameCube. We got the <laughs> yeah. not that this not that this game is terrible by any means, but it does look like just a very bare bones uh, driving game. Bare bones is the right word here, Neil, because there is like almost nothing going on in this world. Yeah. There's no people. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just cars. You're in this very strange city where you're doing driving missions and whatnot. It actually reminds me a lot of Spy Hunter, a game that we talked about a few weeks ago on our James Bond episode. Uh, it's very similar to that. And actually, the gameplay looks almost identical. It's just instead of uh, driving around your spy car, you're uh, driving around a Mini Cooper. Uh, which which is nice. At least they got the cars in the game. That's always good. So the big the big thing with this, and I'm not sure if you noticed with all the cutscenes and everything, but they show the dialogue, but they never show any actors or anything like that. And uh, that's because they didn't have any of the licensing for any of the actors who were in in the Italian job in the two, 2003 film. Right. So they had to kind of get creative. Uh, so props to the dev for devs for probably finding out last minute that they didn't have the actors. Um, yeah. <laughs> Instead, they opted to go uh, a more of a driver route and driver mm -hmm. being the, the, the successful video game franchise that's been around for quite a while now. It's just funny because like you go to some of the levels and some of them are what you'd expect. You're driving around cities, you're you know escaping police, you got to get to the helicopter and stuff like that. And then there's moments where you're kind of doing this semi-platforming stuff where like the car is, yeah. you're like taking it up ramps and buildings and what, like you're going up parking garages and stuff. And it's just like, you're kind of backing it. You're basically like, it's a three point turn simulator and it just looks like not fun. No. Uh, I love those parts where it's like, why am I doing platforming in this? Oh, right. Cause there's no people in this game because I can't get out of my car. That's great.
I think that what this game could have done would have been to like still call it Italian job, but maybe make it a little bit more based off of uh, the ride that we love and make it more of like a racing game. Like yeah. I, I think instantly of uh, an N64 game, Beetle Adventure Racing, which is a bit of a hidden gem where it's a licensed Volkswagen game. So you're driving around the Volkswagen Beetles through these giant uh, courses and everything. And it's, it's, it's not like Mario Kart. It's not quite that gimmicky with items and everything, but it's just a, it's a great little racing game where you drive around areas around the world. I think an Italian job racing game would have been way better driving mini Coopers through cities, uh, up mountains, uh, through yeah. like jungles or whatever it is. And like having like little secret paths. Maybe there's some levels where you're racing against cops, but don't make it mission-based. Like, we have enough no. spy games, I think. We're going to talk about one in a few minutes. We have a bunch of James Bond games that are already doing it really well. And, like, did this movie... We need to ask ourselves, did this movie need a video game? <laughs> See, in theory, like you said, it could have been... Like, I would have said yes if you just said the Italian job video game. I would have been like, yeah, make a racer out of it or something. Yeah. Uh, I will say, though, that there are quite a few modes in the game, which is nice. The driving is decent. Uh, and the dev who did this, uh, they actually made the good Hot Wheels game. You know? Oh, right on. Okay. Yes. So so they are familiar with knowing how to program vehicles, which is always nice. And and Eidos published it. And, and I always give Eidos the benefit of the doubt for good gameplay. They, they usually mm-hmm. can snuff stuff out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this game wasn't didn't review great. And Maxim is back. Good to Ooh. see them uh, <laughs> reviewing something again. <laughs> they gave this one a 5 out of 10. And they said the ordinary race and chasers loosely knit compilation of repetitive Mini Cooper showdowns has a recognizable scene or two. But that's about it. That's probably about right. I'm just looking at the back of the case now as I get ready to read it. And the these screenshots almost look like false advertising to me. The game does not look this good. <laughs> they almost look like pictures of the cars. Uh, so I don't know what yeah. version of the game they got these screenshots from. Maybe it was the Rockstar one. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Cut scenes from a different game. I would love that. All right. Let me hit the back of the case here and we'll move on to our next game. Get in, get out, get even. Charlie Crocker, the guy from Fairly Odd Parents, and his gang are left for dead in Venice after being double-crossed during one of the largest gold heists in history. Playing Charlie and his fellow thieves, you must now wreak vengeance on the man who betrayed you. Recapture the high-octane thrills of the 2003 blockbuster movie as you attempt to escape Los Angeles in supercharged Mini Coopers fully loaded with the stolen gold. I don't like that grammar, Neil. Which part? The reek vengeance? Yeah, the reek. Or... Yeah, the reek, reeking vengeance isn't a thing. That's not. No one has ever said that. I'm gonna start using that a lot more in a sentence. Like, yeah, I reek a podcast once a week. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna start subtly throwing it into conversation. Yeah, it's, I create it... a podcast. You know, reeking is, I guess, creating, right? Like, yeah, you're, you're creating havoc. havoc. Yeah, yeah. You, I, I reek a podcast once a week. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Sounds like a good slang word, but uh, I don't think that's gonna catch on. <laughs> All right, moving on to our next game here, which is Mission Impossible Operation Surma was released on March 23rd, 2004, developed by Paradigm. It's published by Atari, also on PlayStation 2, Xbox, and Game Boy Advance. This game rates a 6 out of 10. I think all the games rate a 6 out of 10 today. (laughs) Priced today at around $10. And uh, I'm going to come right out and say it, Mike. I have never seen a Mission Impossible movie. Really? Wow. That's the fact that you've never seen a Mission Impossible is, uh, is... I wouldn't say astounding because like you can just go your whole life and not see it, obviously, but there's I'm so many of them. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's six films that have been made. First one came out in 98 and uh, two more on the way that are confirmed. I know one is Tom Cruise in space Great. and there's the 1966 TV series as well. And there's the 88 TV series. 
So it's um it's it's had a quite a quite a long life. It's been around for a long time, and there are four games. There's one mm-hmm. for the NES in 1990, so very early uh, Mission Possible game. So based on the TV series at that time, uh, there's the Mission Possible game that I see everywhere for the N64 and PS1. Yes. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> from '98, uh, there's yeah. Mission Possible for the Game Boy Color in 2000, and then there's this game. This is the last Mission Impossible game, Operation Sturma. Yeah, I'm surprised that there haven't been more games just because the movies did come out uh, in the late 90s and then 2000, 2006, 2011, 2015, 2018, and then 2022, like you said. Like, they come out on a fairly regular clip every three to six years, give or take. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just enough to have one game, maybe two per console life cycle. It would be, I would be fine to have more, more Mission Impossible video games. Now that we don't get James Bond games, it would be nice to have something that's very similar. Uh, I compare Mission Impossible all the time to James Bond, and I actually really like the Jason Bourne films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I watch those around the same time Mission, I was at that age to get into Mission Impossible. I just preferred the Matt Damon spy films. But looking at Mission Impossible Operation Surma, it reminded me a lot of uh, the James Bond game that we covered a couple episodes ago, From Russia with Love. I don't know why. I guess because it was like a third-person game. Just the combat looked similar. Changing out weapons looked very similar as well. Yes. Uh, so actually just watching it, I kind of got into it. I, I think I might try and one day try and f- find a copy of this game and check it out because it looks really neat. Yeah, it does. It It is actually very, yeah, like you said, very James Bond-esque is the first thing I I got for sure, even with like the night vision uh, modes as yes. well. Uh, I, I really don't like that they did this in third-person because mm. they don't have Tom Cruise for this. this. They did not get Tom Cruise's likeness. And I feel like if you can't get Tom Cruise mm. to do Mission Impossible, which is like, you know, that's one of his big things. And Mission Impossible revolves around Tom Cruise. It's like mm. uh, Jason Bourne without Matt Damon. Which they tried. <laughs> which they tried. And so, <laughs> and it's, you know, this whole franchise is clearly built upon him. And then all of a sudden you don't get his likeness at all. And yeah. then you do a third person, you know, game. The, the reason from Russia with love is third person is because they have Sean Connery. It's the whole idea of showing off Sean Connery. It's like, it's like you're Mm -hmm. playing the movie. And with this, you know, the, that was my first thought immediately that really took me out of the game was the fact that I'm not actually Tom Cruise. I'm this random character that they used uh, in place of him. And yeah, wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see your point there. I think it would have been interesting in first person. I think that it just would have been too similar to a James Bond game if they had made it first person, especially sure. right on the heels of a game like GoldenEye, which was still very big even in the early 2000s. I will say that the uh, it's in third person, so you get to see the character throughout the entire time. I really like the design of the suit, the, the spy suit that he oh, wears. Oh, yes. It's really well done, kind of like a Tom Clancy almost kind of thing. My only issue is that he very rarely changes into anything different. Uh, (laughs) It might be nice to see a couple different types of skins that he could wear. Suits, I guess, would be a better term to say. Uh, It only swaps between, for the most part, I think it's just the one suit and then his street clothes, which I did not love that, like when he's wearing... just jeans like a a brown sweater or a brown jacket and like a black sweater he just looks like an npc from spider-man 2 like it's nothing special (laughs) and it's not tom cruise again so like who is this random person i'm playing exactly exactly that was another thing that really took me out of it because i was like why are they just using street clothes for him especially in like the first 20 minutes of this game half an hour of this game is him in street clothes and if you're just jumping into this as a as a fan of the the series i would be kind of miffed at that for sure 
Yeah, yeah. I, I would want to see him in his in his suit doing cool stunts, not playing as him on his way home from work, stopping at the convenience store to grab milk. <laughs> I didn't know much about the Mission Impossible series, obviously. Do these movies have like a sci-fi element to them? Because spoilers for the end of the game, I suppose. But like one of the ending levels, you, you fight like an invisible man. They have sci-fi like, I guess, aspects in the same way that James Bond has sci-fi aspects. Okay. Would be how I would answer that. A bit campy, I suppose. Yes. Like you have to kind of suspend disbelief a tad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly... Because it really is... Mission Impossible really is supposed to be the American James Bond. That was like the first kind of idea of it. Like they even have their own organization, right? It's uh, the Impossible Mission Force, the IMF. uh, Okay. Just like kind of MI6 for, uh, for James Bond. Okay. Yeah, because I was I was watching the uh, the gameplay and I was getting like vibes from Uncharted Two, which uh, has very very much like spend disbelief towards the end and a couple of the other games too. Uh, just dips into fantasy a little bit a little bit much. But uh, I think the reason why I missed out on Mission Impossible is just because I didn't have as many friends as a kid that liked these movies. Like we all yeah. like James Bond. We we like to see the James Bond movies and games, and no one really got me into it up until. Uh, my friend Matt, he was really the first person that I met. We met when I was like 22 or something, and and he and his dad go and see all of the uh, all of the Mission Impossible movies because there was the new Mission Impossible movie a couple years ago that they went to go see, and I was like, oh, that's something you guys do as like a tradition. Yeah, a, <laughs> and, a lot uh, of people do that. Yeah, that's yeah. like that is a big thing, and you know, not hating on Mission Impossible at all. I I do like those movies. They're they're almost like, uh, especially now, I think they've kind of evolved into. Uh, like the Fast and Furious style of just like trying to one up each movie, oh, you know, trying to trying mm-hmm. to create greater stunts and, and crazier stuff. And it is cool because Tom Cruise does do all his own stunts. So like there there is something to be said about that. But uh, I think the big thing with Mission Impossible is just the theme song. <laughs> oh yeah, that... dun 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 Yeah, didn't they didn't they play that when we were like in high school in the morning when the first bell rang? You had like until the end of the Mission Impossible theme to get to class or something. I think so. Yeah. Some, some days it was Indiana Jones. Some day it was God. I don't miss high school. Your mission should you choose to accept it. <laughs> All right, Mike. Let's read the back of the case for Mission Impossible Operation Surma and move on to the next game. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, Agent Ethan Hunt is back in an all-new Mission Impossible. Stealth action adventure featuring an incredible arsenal of the latest IMF gadgets, weapons, and disguises. It's kind of like the Final Fantasy thing where, like, it's Final Fantasy 16. If we're on to, like, Mission Impossible 8, 9, like, it's clearly not an impossible mission if he can do these things. <laughs> clearly nothing is impossible in this uh, in this world, in this Mission Impossible world. Maybe they should come out with a Mission Possible at some point. Kim Possible will sue. Ooh, that's very true. I completely <laughs> forgot. All right, let's move on to the next game here, which is... Oh, God. I was having such a good day. All right. Starsky and Hutch was released on August 24th, 2004, developed by Mind's Eye Productions, published by BAM Entertainment. It's also on Windows, PlayStation 2, Xbox, and Game Boy Advance. This game rates, you guessed it, a 6 out of 10. I swear I'm not making this up. And it's uh, priced today at around $10. I know very little about Starsky and Hutch. I don't know why this game is on GameCube. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way. I mean, that's a good question to ask for sure. I mean, I could ask this question about a lot of these games. 
yeah, Starsky and Hutch, this game uh, is actually not based on the Starsky and Hutch movie that came out, which is with, uh, I think, Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn is in it. Ben Stiller. Uh, ben it's basically Stiller. it's basically Zoolander, the Zoolander cast. It's the made Zoolander Star- cast, yeah. <laughs> the Starsky and Hutch game or movie. And and the Dan Band is also in, in that. Uh, <laughs> that's oh the time. <laughs> I remember specifically the Starsky and Hutch movie poster. Just, I have this weird memory of returning... Uh, a movie at Blockbuster and just like there were three movie posters in the window and they were all Starsky and Hutch like I guess that was the new movie that weekend and I was like nope not seeing that but it's not based on the movie no I think it's meant to be more based on the TV series from the 1970s so I think the series ran from like 75 to 79 Um, but no kids our age (laughs) were asking for a Starsky and Hutch anything yeah, was this I, Nintendo trying to, or not Nintendo, but was this just Nintendo trying to grab a game to appeal to the older audience that they were looking for back in the 2000s? Because this was a bad attempt. You know what? I think so. And the fact that it's very, uh, what's the word? It's very GTA-esque yeah. as well. That was the first thing I got from from playing this or, or watching this. But lower is, your expectations a little bit. Folks. Lower it's your expectations like big time. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, it's supposed to have a very 70s feel. Like I got a lot of, you know, kind of Vice City vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the cut scenes are kind of like cell shaded, which was, was kind of cool, uh, in that sense. Uh, mm-hmm. I like that. And, and they do show the like people driving and there, there are actual character models and there's people on the streets. So, I mean, it's better than an Italian job in that way. It's like a, a real mm-hmm. thing, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just so flabbergasted by the fact that they didn't base it on the movie. They must've had some licensing thing fall through. And at the last second, had to do it uh, based on the 70s movie instead, or uh, TV series. And they definitely would not have gotten Ben Stiller or Owen, or Owen Wilson's likeness. Like, I don't think those two guys have ever been in a video game before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely not happening. Uh, I have a feeling that the film was probably made quickly, and they had they had to develop a game, so they probably made it on <laughs> yeah, something had that had to a develop lo- a game. <laughs> they had to develop something, and they're like, "Well, we need we need a script," and they're like, "Well, we don't even have the the film didn't even have a script," and they were like, "Well, we need to base this on the show, I suppose." Yeah. Uh, but they could have done one thing that would have made this game probably three points better is if they had just come up with a killer '70s soundtrack to go with. Yes. it. Yes. Oh my god, I was gonna like, say that. Yeah, yeah the like, soundtrack would... is generic, and like yeah. it's supposed to be like almost like generic funk, I guess. Oh god, it's it's terrible. Like I would just think like Guardians of the Galaxy, like that seventies soundtrack, but put that to a, a driving game. Like have all of our boomer dad's favorite songs being played, like ELO and Fleetwood Mac and all yeah. of these bands. Like it would have been it would have been the most expensive game ever to get like all of those songs <laughs> and all of those bands in there. But mm-hmm. uh, but I'm sure Mind's Eye Productions did not have the budget for for something like that. The only reason why I would suggest picking this game up is just to be the one person in your entire group of anything to say you own Starsky and Hutch on GameCube because I don't know anybody who's looking for it, found it. You never see this game in pickups on any of no. our Facebook groups that we're a part of. Like no one's ever no one's ever looking for it, obviously, but you don't even see it like in halls where someone's like, Oh, I got all these from a thrift store the, or whatever. The box art too is just leaves so much to be desired. You know, I do like minimalist box arts, but this is way too minimalist. It's just the the, the logo uh, on a red background with a white swoosh and then the uh the car the red car i i have a lot of not nice things to say about this game because i i don't understand it and Mm -hmm. i probably will never talk about it again so let's move on to the next one sounds good i will leave it on a positive note though the game does feature the voice actor antonio fargus who is uh huggy bear huggy bear is in the game and also the game does have two player co-op uh you can have one player driving the car and the other player shooting uh so it's got a little bit of a double dash element to it which is kind of neat 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there are good elements about this game. It's just the fact that you could... These elements are in so many other better games. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jump into the classic Gran Torino and be the coolest cops in town. Control the streetwise Starsky and the soft-spoken Hutch. And get ready for a high-speed chase to catch the bad guys. So, Mike, if we were Starsky and Hutch, I would say, would you would you be Starsky or would I be Starsky? Which one's Owen Wilson? <laughs> Uh, I never saw the movie. We should watch it to find <laughs> which one's Owen Wilson. Yeah, you would be Owen Wilson. I would be Ben Stiller. Yeah, yeah. If we ever do a Halloween together, that's a good. That's an idea for if us. We, if we ever do a Halloween together, Halloween <laughs> yes. shut down. Yeah, Halloween is canceled forever. All right, let's move on to the next game here, which is Terminator Three: The Redemption. Came out on September sixth, two thousand and four. This game is developed by Paradigm. It's published by Atari. It's also on PS two and Xbox. This game rates. Six and a half out of ten. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's priced today at around $30. And we have never talked about Terminator on this show before, so let's dive right into it. Uh, Terminator is... Well, Terminator 2 is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's in my top ten for sure. Like, honestly, just one of the best sci-fi uh, action thriller or just yeah. action movie ever. And something I forgot about Terminator in the series is these movies were really spaced out. Yes, quite a bit. Like, like it's unbelievable. Seven years p- between Terminator and Terminator 2, and then 12 years between Terminator 2 and Terminator 3. In my yep. mind, because, you know, we didn't necessarily grow up with these movies when they came out. We grew up with them, like, watching them in the late 90s, early 2000s. But, you know, we just, I just assumed that they were all coming out within two, three years of each other, like most of these trilogies did at the time. Well, it helped that Arnold Schwarzenegger stayed in such incredible shape into the late 90s, <laughs> early 2000s. Like, that helped. He did not age for a while. No. I'm sure that there were some computer effects and whatnot involved. But, uh, yeah, Terminator got its start in 1984. That film has an 89 on Rotten Tomatoes. Terminator 2, seven years later, 1991. That's the highest rated in the entire series uh, with 95%. Easy. 12 years later, Terminator 3. That movie did not rate quite as well, 46%. Very divisive, for sure. Very similar to Matrix, actually. This this whole series yeah. is actually very similar to Matrix in a lot of ways. Kind of, just kind of, just flip the uh, flip around Terminator Two and One. Not that Terminator One is a bad movie, but it's kind of hard to argue that Terminator One did much better than Terminator Two. Yeah. Like I think Terminator Two improved on so many things. And uh, Mike, there hasn't been a Terminator movie since two thousand three. Uh, are you sure, Neil? I'm pretty sure that there's been some. <laughs> I don't know, Mike. No, there's been Terminator 4. It was 2009. I saw that one in theaters, unfortunately. Uh, Terminator Genesis came out in 2015. Oof. I'm going to I'm gonna circle back to that one in a second. Uh, Terminator Dark Fate is the I'm most recent one. Hunting. We saw that trailer at least 20 <laughs> times, and every time it's like, I'm going hunting. Just that song. I am the hunter. Mike, that movie has an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's actually good. <laughs> I want it. I, you know what? I never saw it, but I actually want to see it because Linda Hamilton, who plays um, uh, Sarah Connors, uh, that's, that's, uh, I, I, I was really excited to have her back. I mean, Arnold's mm-hmm. back. It, it looked like a good movie. I just was so sick of that stupid trailer. Yeah, the trailer got old <laughs> real fast. And Arnold Schwarzenegger never left the series. He's been technically in all of them. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The only one that he's barely in is t4 they cgi him in briefly but terminator 5 technically that's genesis came out in 2015 fun fact this is the movie that neil considers the worst film of all time anytime (laughs) i like have a bar for like how bad a movie is i always compare it to terminator genesis and you didn't see that in theaters 
Oh, God, no. No, no. I saw that on DVD. I got it from the library years after it came out or whatever. Me and my brother watched it together because that's my older brothers who got me into Terminator. He used to have these movies on when I was way too young, uh, much like Spawn that we talked about a little while ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, And funny enough, like every for every day for like a year when we came home from school. I don't know if you remember this, Mike. He had Terminator 3 on every time. Okay, I do remember that was on in the background sometimes. That's a you unlocked a memory there. Yeah, oh, no problem. It was always that or Seinfeld. It, I don't know well, what yeah, it was. Well, yeah, Seinfeld is what I remember the most. But he also had a bunch of other stuff on. I remember he had Carrie on. Carrie and One Hour Photo. Yes, that's right. The other two movies. He always, and, and, uh, and Phone Booth. He had yes. phone booth on one time too. This and is you're, you're you're unlocking all the the memory banks here. Oh, all all the Sean memories. I got them for you if you want. He still watches <laughs> Judge Judy to this day. Bless his soul. But... Hey, nothing wrong with Judge Judy, but there is I something wrong it. with that. Uh, yeah, some of those Terminator movies. Uh, but the TV series Neil <laughs> actually pretty good. The Sarah Connor Chronicles. Uh, from That's 2008 what I heard. 2009. Yeah, show. I never I never watched it. I couldn't get into it. I don't know what I was doing at the time. Probably just watching Family Guy and SpongeBob still. As you do. Uh, as I do, but I think that that one spins off. That was between Terminator 3 and Terminator 4. And yeah, reviewed really well. It only got a couple seasons, though. It wasn't around for very long. No, I think just two seasons. A friend of the show, Brian, had the Blu-ray, and we, we used to watch it in uh, in university. So yeah, I, I have good memories of that show. But I, I really think that that's where Terminator belongs is as a TV series. I don't think it fits as a movie anymore. Nope. Uh, but uh, we can talk about that another time. The total box office for all of the movies combined is $1.6 billion. Uh, however, the majority of that is Dark Fate because that movie came out in 2019 and the film industry is highly uh, inflated these days. So, like, I think one billion of that was 2019, um, That's unfortunately. Fair. But Terminator 3, The Redemption, uh, this was the last game that I bought in grade nine before going on my high school gaming hiatus, believe it or not. Hmm. Uh, I remember buying this game vividly. I remember getting it from EB Games. I was looking for something to play, and I found this Terminator game tied into a movie that my brother played on repeat. And I had not heard of this game before. I recognized the case automatically. I knew T3. Uh, yep. It was like 20 bucks at the time. I had my gift card, so I uh, I bought it. And uh, this is actually a really good game. Um, hmm. There's 16 Terminator games in total, plus five tie-ins with other games. Oh, Terminator. yeah. I, I was going to list them all, and then I, I started going through. Nope. It was like, there are so many. Nope, don't list them. There's way too many. We don't have the time for that right now. But uh, the, the machine does turn up in Mortal Kombat, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, which is weird. He's also in Fortnite, which is funny. Um, yeah, but everything's in Fortnite. Everything's in Fortnite. We're, we're not yet, but uh, we'll talk if someone throws money at us. There are – I just want to talk about this for a second. Yeah. There are three games that are tied in with Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. There's Terminator oh. 3, Rise of the Machines, Terminator 3, War for the Machines, and then Terminator the Redemption. Uh-oh. Did I, did I, did I uh, uh, look up the wrong one? You could have. <laughs> like, it's perfectly possible that you did. So which one, is, the... which one are we talking about today? We're talking about the Redemption. Okay, I, I looked up the wrong one. Did you really? Yeah, I looked up just Rise of the Machines gameplay. Oh, boy. And because that game looks it like, you know what's funny is I when I watched it I was like this game looks really good like the graphics are really good in it, <laughs> but clearly the, this is not a GameCube game. 
No. Okay. So Rise of the Machines is actually, I think, the lowest reviewed of all of them. That's fine. I can talk about it. I actually really like this Perfect. game. So <laughs> no problem. Uh, the it's game so Rise of the Machines, this has never happened before. Uh, Rise of the Machines was developed by Black Ops, published by Atari still. Uh, it looks like an early Xbox PS2 game. I don't know. Maybe you were watching a PC one, or you might have been watching War of the Machines, which is the PC only game. Mm. Uh, that one actually looks decent. That's developed by Clever Games, also published by Atari. Uh, that game was criticized for poor enemy AI. Uh, it's basically a battlefield clone. Okay, was, yeah, that's the yeah. one I was watching. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that game, I, all, I, my my notes were that this game looks like Battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> that game has a two out of ten, Mike. I'll, uh, really? Oh, so, it didn't look that bad. <laughs> no, no, th- that was I think the worst of the three. Uh, Terminator: The Redemption was the better one. Sure. Uh, so Atari got the rights for uh, for Terminator in the late '90s, early 2000s, I think, but. Mm. Uh, they basically wanted to cash in. They knew that they had this franchise that was huge. Uh, Terminator is really just perfect for a video game. He's this robot that can't die, uh, has a lot of cool weapons, goes on a lot of cool missions. You've got driving levels, motorcycle levels. You've got time travel, uh, escort missions, and everything. So uh, they they really had a meatball down the plate to make a f- to make a perfect video game, and they just struck out time after time. <laughs> but you but like you said, you enjoy this game so like what about this game i feel like yeah I I, i'm i'm hosting you you're, you're, sure. you're a guest on the pod uh <laughs> what, what about this game did you uh did did you really like that set it apart from other movie tie-ins sure so right away they they did something right that we haven't seen right uh, really yet is that they used arnold schwarzenegger's likeness which was good there you go it's a third person shooter uh so like mission impossible but they used arnold schwarzenegger he's not the voice actor which is too bad but mm. the voice actor that they did use did a great job and i i think that finding a good yeah, i think that finding a good arnold schwarzenegger voice actor is pretty easy to do uh not me but uh i think most voice actors can probably do it so mm. that helped right away it also is tied in with terminator 3 rise of the machines but it's not completely a one for one remake like it's not a it's not following the exact scenes from the movie, at no. least not right off the bat. You get to play a scene in the game that you've never seen in a movie before, which is basically them reprogramming the robot and then sending it back in time. So you kind of get to see what Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm going to call him, went through uh, to go back in time in T3. The, the level starts off, you're in the future, uh, which you also haven't really seen a ton of in the movies yet either. Uh, hmm. You're playing as the Terminator, fighting through hordes of enemy Terminators, killing them with your rifle gun whatever your machine gun to get back in time to save john connor and his girlfriend from Catherine brewster in the movie hmm. so it basically takes scenes from the movie and you get to play the the scenes leading up to those scenes which is really cool and i really liked it because i knew t3 so damn well yeah yeah <laughs> so and it added some pretty cool combat uh combat elements as well like uh terminator can basically like the terminators will come at you crawling because they're dying and you can just like stomp them to take on their energy and that's how you recover health i will say now that i'm watching the correct one uh, (laughs) i will say that i really like the hud how and and what they did with it Mm -hmm. uh i think you know they had a really good opportunity here to make a cool hud just because the fact that you know he is a robot he sees things in that that with that red tint with all the information that comes up and everything and i was that's what i was really hoping for and they i i feel like they they nailed it uh and this game does something really neat that i love in games that not enough games do it is that uh, in a third person game your character has a health bar obviously but the character shows signs of wear that they're dying and i've only ever seen this in like wolverine the wolverine game is actually really good 
um, that's on PS3 and Dead Space where you've got like the light on your back that shows your health as well. Yeah. Uh, Terminator is basically getting your character gets blown to bits the more that you the more damage that you take on. I love stuff like that in games. Like you can see the skeleton under your skin eventually and I love that. Like that's my yeah. favorite part of all the Terminator movies is you have this clean body at the beginning of the movie and by the end of it he's usually just torn to shreds and that, yeah. that's that's the coolest part of the films and they show that in the games too which is really neat i, I love i love when they, they do that to physically show health yeah and even in the cutscenes, uh if you've taken on a lot of damage before that cutscene, your your avatar your terminator is worn down in the cutscene too it's oh, awesome is, it's pretty neat like it's yeah. got a lot of really nice attention to detail that i think uh should not go overlooked especially with the other two t3 tie-in games that were terrible <laughs> Uh, the, the developers of this game actually took 3d scans of all the actors to get them into the game properly. So there was just a lot, a lot more care that was put into this game than the other ones. So that's my love letter to Terminator Redemption. I've been looking forward to talking about this game for a long time because it is, uh, I can't talk about that enough how it is like the last game that I bought in high school before just taking a break from games for a while. That's cool that you uh, remember that even like, like, but I guess you would, right? It just, it's. It's like not uh, not a game that would stand out as being the last game, of course, of course, no. but just uh, just ended up being that way. It actually makes it sound worse because it's like, oh, I played Terminator: The Redemption, and then I gave up video games for three <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah, I decided to give up video games after this. If you find Terminator: The Redemption at a good price, I highly recommend picking it up. I think you'll have a good time. Uh, the ending of the game, though, I don't want to spoil it. It's incredibly corny, and uh, just. <laughs> Don't don't bother playing it to the very end of the game. <laughs> don't, don't finish the game. <laughs> but, Mike, ah. before we move on to our next game, I must read the back of the case. Mm-hmm. To kill one, you must become one. You are the Terminator, a killing machine resurrected by the human resistance to save the very thing you were built to destroy. Race, fight, and blast across the Terminator timeline through present-day L.A., the year 2032. That's getting really close. <laughs> And a frightening alternate <laughs> alternate future. Annihilate anything that prevents your objective, ensuring the survival of John Connor, Catherine Brewster, and tomorrow. Well, ten years ten years to go, Neil. God, that's that's scary. <laughs> I, I'm getting really scared on how close we are to uh, to the Terminator timeline. Jeez. Well, uh. when we get ever closer to the ter- the machines taking over, let's move on to the next game on our list here, which is Shark Tale. Came out on September 27th, 2004. This game was developed by Edge of Reality. They do the Sims games. Published by Activision. It's also on PS2, Microsoft Windows, Game Boy Advance, and of course, Xbox. This game rates a 7 out of 10. We did it. Priced today at around $10, and if you wanted to pick this game up, it's available at literally every <laughs> store on the planet. <laughs> I've, n- I've never not seen it. Like I said... At the beginning, yeah, yeah. it is a it is a DreamWorks um, game. Uh, DreamWorks made uh, DreamWorks actually made this one. They also did series of unfortunate events, which we're going to be talking about in a second. Uh, so good to see some DreamWorks Activision collab here. Although whenever you see that that Activision logo uh, in this era, that was mm-hmm. uh, you never knew what you're going to get. It was a real throw of the dice. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Unbelievable. <laughs> but Shark Tale is one of those movies that everybody from our five year age gap, from like 1990 to 1995, everybody remembers that movie. No one knows what that movie was about. <laughs> I just remember, uh, I just remember the car wash scene because he works at yeah. the whale wash. I think yes. Working at the whale wash. The whale wash. Yeah, that and the, um, he also, there's also a Bob Marley reference in there too, where he says, everything is going to be all right. There's that too. Nice. But good good memory there, I guess. It was in the commercial. It was in the trailer and that's all (laughs) I can. So this movie was compared rightfully so to Finding Nemo because DreamWorks had this horrible trend of just copying Pixar for like the first 10 years of 
really uh, other than shrek like everything dreamworks did was kind of copying pixar oh yeah uh, i could probably recite finding nemo from like start to finish uh but for a million dollars, I cannot tell you the plot of Shark Tale. <laughs> well, Wikipedia probably can, Neil. So what did, what did Wikipedia say was the plot of the game, at least? Sure. So underachiever Oscar, who's played by Will Smith, is a pint-sized fish with grand aspirations. When mob-connected great white shark Frankie, who's played by Michael uh, Imperioli, I can't do Italian names, is accidentally killed. Oscar concocts a story with Frankie's peace-loving brother Lenny, who's played, of course, by Jack Black. Uh, that it was he who murdered the shark. Suddenly hailed Shark Slayer by his aquatic brethren, Oscar has bigger fish to fry when Fra- Frankie's father, mob boss Don Lino, Robert De Niro, dispatches his henchmen to track down his son's killer. Yes, I, I do remember that this was like Finding Nemo meets The Godfather. As soon as I read the plot, I was like, oh, right, it was The Godfather. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the greatest gangster movie of all time. Shark right? Tale. Shark <laughs> Tale. So good, uh, but I can picture like I can picture Shark Tale on everything, but I couldn't for the life of me remember <laughs> what so this funny. movie was about. But starring Will Smith, Robert De Niro, Renee Zellweger, Angelina Jolie, Jack Black, and Martin Scorsese. This was a huge cast yeah, for two thousand four. Yeah, stellar. Uh, made three hundred and seventy-five million dollars on a seventy-five million dollar budget. This movie has a forty-four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> I don't think so either. It's fine. Like it's fine. Yeah. I think it's just that everyone's so salty. No pun intended. But uh, just like how similar it is to just copying Finding Nemo. The, yeah, the look of it and everything for sure. And yeah, like they they did the same thing like with a Bug's Life. How Bug's Life was like this cute ants. family movie, and then Ants came out, which was a movie about like hierarchical power. And yeah, like, yeah. Ants is actually much more like adult for sure. And Shark Tale was a, a little bit too. I, I remember seeing Shark Tale in theaters with my parents. Uh, I believe I saw this with my mom um, and she oh, wow. really liked it because of the soundtrack. It does have a, have a good soundtrack. Uh, and I remember that's what people were talking about um, when this movie first came out. So, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy it from what I can remember. And yeah. the game itself is... Uh, think of like a water platformer, I guess, you know. I'm thinking of Shamu's Adventures. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> it's very much like a Shamu's Adventures, which we talked about on the the the, uh, the Gaming Memories uh, episode that we had or whatever that it's was. Like games that we really want to play. Yeah, yeah, which we lumped that one in there. So this <laughs> this was definitely somewhat like that. In, and as Neil and I always say, water levels suck. And so mm-hmm. that's what makes this game a little tough. But I, But I will say it's not terrible no no there it's it's relatively speedy it looks like they they did an okay job with the water uh where it's not just aquaman where you're uh, moving the camera around you're actually oh, moving through the water and and it doesn't seem like the water is too thick so that's you know so it's not slowing you down too much because that's always mm-hmm. a problem with water levels yeah I'll, I'll do you one better mike i think that this mm-hmm. game is actually a pretty good child's movie tie-in like, yeah yeah the city looks way more lived in than something like aquaman like there's there's billboards there's signs more lived that in, like most like, of these games more than most of these games there's a lot of charm in this game like there's fish pedestrians everywhere there's actually an ad for i'm watching gameplay right now there's ads for minute Maid in this movie in this game. <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> like there's product placement in the game which is cool there's an, a burger king like advertisement it's not burger king uh but at the end of the level you get yeah, like a fish really king. cool yeah, Fish King. At the end of the level, there's like a really good kind of breakdown of how well you did. Um, so yeah, what's really interesting, we're just going to talk about Finding Nemo one more time, is that that movie was very well received and the game is trash. We haven't talked about it yet. But yeah. the Finding Nemo game was very poorly received. This one, the mo- Shark Tale, the movie was not as well received, but the game was actually very well praised for what it was trying to do. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's, cool. th- that's interesting. And like, I guess good for it for 
being in every store so you can easily pick it up if you ever want to try it you know i'm sure the game never goes above 15 dollars. no 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 no. (laughs) uh but it is just basically a swimming 2d platformer throughout most of the levels there's a few puzzle solving elements and whatnot and then the boss fights are always that that head-on view that i think of when i when we played shamu's adventures where the kraken is coming at you that's it's basically the same boss fights as that where you fight sharks and eels um those those boss fights are actually kind of terrifying because the uh, the animals kind of come right at the screen, so it's like a little three D movie or something. Yeah, yeah. It, it again, and I'm sure no one has played Shen, uh, Shamu's Adventures, <laughs> but if you have, it's the same game uh, mm-hmm. in terms of just like uh, the movement and and uh, in the aquatics, I guess. But I, I would say mm-hmm. this is probably a bit better because you can at least associate it with Shark Tale and and <laughs> and there are cities for you to go in. You don't have to just be in sewers the entire time. Exactly. Not an open world Shark Tale game. We'll have to wait a few more years for that to come out. (laughs) Yep. Yep. All right. Let's hit the back of the case here and move on to our next game. Shark Tale. Behind every little fish is a great white lie. Fight the fearsome great white with menacing attacks. Race around as Oscar in search of fame and fortune. Adventure through never before seen areas of Reef City. We don't need to see them. (laughs) Dance sequence. Test your skills. So bust a move. That's right. There's little DDR sessions in there as well. That makes sense. You know, good for the good soundtrack. Yeah. I kind of forgot how terrifying this movie was. Like it was human faces on fish bodies. Uh, I'd rather (laughs) not go back and watch it now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's move on to another game here on our list, which is Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events was released on November 10th, 2004. This game was developed by Adrenium Games. They made the Samurai Jack game. It's published by Activision. It's also on PlayStation 2, Xbox, Game Boy Advance, Microsoft Windows, and the Java ME. This game rates a 7 out of 10 and is priced today around $15. It's based on the film, the 2004 Lemony Snicket series of Unfortunate Event film, which is obviously based on the book series, which you and I both love. So, I got a lot to talk about for this game. So, yep. Great. Strap in. <laughs> hour two so <laughs> strap oh, it's, it's a long this episode is way too long <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a long one um so funny story about this game so i i got it for christmas of uh probably 2004 mm-hmm. uh when it came out and you know i i really enjoyed the game because i love series and fortune events i it's, it was one of my favorite one of my favorite book series and i still love it to this day yeah, uh, i both, think they're, we both do yeah. we both do yeah they're, they're i think they're just really well done and well written Neil, I don't know if you remember this, but at our elementary school, uh, we had a librarian. She was a bit of a crusty old librarian, uh, mm. for sure. I forget her name. Yeah, me uh, too. I was thinking about that a couple... That's so weird that you bring her up. I was thinking about her a couple <laughs> days ago, just because I couldn't remember her name. I was literally just... I was just trying to remember her name. And my my I, mom would remember. I should ask her, because she, yeah. she has a bone to pick with her because of this. So, <laughs> I remember that she didn't approve of the books, and... Uh, they, yeah. And they didn't have any series of unfortunate events books at the school library. Uh, And, uh, my mom called to complain about it. I think the, I'm pretty sure the librarian was like, basically that they weren't, they weren't in good faith or something. It's like, oh yeah, no, we, we don't want to, we don't want to subject kids to this kind of reading material. Weird. Yeah. I wonder what, I wonder what exactly, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and know what the librarian thought. Cause I don't remember these, these books being controversial. I actually remember Harry Potter being more controversial, yes. especially with religious kids because witchcraft and everything. Yeah, I, I know. And this like, this is just, I think a lot of people saw this as depressing and it's so weird how different things are nowadays, how like, I'm going to sound super old, just, but just like how these books were banned in school. But then nowadays kids can go home and watch 
pretty much anything online or on Netflix. Like some yeah. of the stuff that's on Netflix and HBO, like Game of Thrones or The Witcher more more recently or Squid Game or Breaking Bad. Like all of these shows are some level of depressing, definitely violent, but like they always are almost none of these shows are uplifting. Like anything mm. that's popular is almost never uplifting. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Other than like Marvel movies. Yeah, like even some of the best known like PlayStation games from now- nowadays are like The Last of Us is just the road, which is just the world is over. Yeah, like, it's done. Like yeah. movies like The Quiet Place, like the 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 world is over. Like people are dying, and yep. this is what sells. And I don't see that really in a series of unfortunate events. And that's fair. Yeah, from, it's a, from it's me, a different kind of yeah. I, it's I, a different I, time. Yeah, and, and and I understand that. But anyways, to mm-hmm. get off the tangent, uh, we I own like uh, I own all thirteen books, and I think you own a lot of them. I own um, most of them. I have a weird relationship with this series is that I've read them all, but I only own the first three and the last three. <laughs> Honestly, that's probably fair. You don't need to own them all. And there's, of course, the 2004 movie, which is based on with Jim Carrey, which was interesting at best. We can go into that a little bit. That's where you and I disagree on the movie. I know. Yes. And then the Netflix series is actually okay. Um, uh, it's I never saw the full thing. I watched quite a few episodes. I just I never really got fully into it. No. But Patrick Warburton, um, mm-hmm. uh, Putty. <laughs> he does a really good job actually as Lemony Snicket. Yeah. Uh he he really killed it. So I got to give him a lot of credit there. A lot of people have played uh, Lemony Snicket now. Jude Law played him in the movie. Uh in the <sighs> game it's uh Tim Curry. Yes. Yes. And then yeah, Patrick Warburton uh plays him in the show, which is neat. Um I yeah. like Tim Curry to play him everywhere, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, so I saw the movie in theaters and was really disappointed. I remember being very mm. upset when I saw the movie, but you had a different experience. I did. So I had just got the books that Christmas when the movie came out. Uh, so I didn't. I don't think I read the books before seeing the film. I can't remember what order I did everything in because uh, the, the books came as like a trilogy. Uh, they had already been out for quite a while. The books started in 1999. Uh, so by 2004, the series was actually almost done. Uh, it finished in 2006, uh, 13 books total, a total of 65 million units had sold by 2015. A uh, series written by Daniel Handler, not Lemony Snicket. It's just what? his pen name. Just his pen name, Mike. He's not real. But like you said, there's also a TV series. There's also board games, card games, and audiobooks based on it. So it's a pretty big franchise. And for me, Lemony Snicket was kind of what I read in between Harry Potter books. Yeah, uh, me too. Hard to believe that we at one point waited for books to come out, but we did. Uh, so in the 2000s, this was kind of like my interstitial books to read. And yeah, I saw the movie in theaters for one of my friends, actually my friend who had the GameCube and the Bionicles. It was his birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we went to go see Lemony Snicket for, I guess, Christmas break or something like that. And uh, I adored it, mainly because I think uh, Jim Carrey is the star of the show. Yeah, uh, yeah. He Canadian icon job. Jim Carrey did a really good job, I think, of Count Olaf. Yeah. Uh, a different take. I mean, Count Olaf is not meant to be that zany. I no, but think. I think he did a good job. I, I, I Jim yeah. Carrey was was not the problem. Uh, no. Absolutely not. No, but like I said, uh, the the movie also starred Jude Law, Catherine O'Hara, Meryl Streep, Liam Aiken, and Emily uh, Emily Browning, who played the kids. Uh, so a really good cast. Uh, mm. I like the gothic atmosphere of the film. Uh, it is rushed. Like I think that that's the main criticism yes. of the of the movie is that they shoved and three, three books, three books, yeah, yeah, three books into the one. But so the pacing is a bit off. Like it's very fast. Um, but it ties together really well because I, I don't think that they ever planned on it being a, a multi-movie series. Maybe they did. Uh, they stuck the first three books into one film, budget of $142 million, box office of $212 million, uh, which is not great. They did not make their money back on this one, and it's got a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. I'd, I'd 
give it a little higher, maybe somewhere in the 70s. Like, I think it's fine. Like, it, it holds up really well. I Like I said, I love the settings and the sets and the characters. But anyway, Mike, what did you not like about the film? I just I just didn't like – you basically said it. You know, it was very rushed. It, it, it felt too short, actually. Mm. You know, it's I think it's only 100 minutes. Uh, and they oh, wow. try and throw everything in it as much as they can. And, and it felt like a lot got left in the cutting room floor. I didn't mm. like how they kind of – changed a lot of this the the books as well and and a lot of the big characters especially the ones who take them in uh in like the the reptile room and the judges and everything they kind of yeah. get thrown off to the side they 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 got all these big actors where they really didn't need them at all um and <laughs> spent way too much money on it 140 million dollars for this that's nuts the, that is that's a lot you know this this movie should not have had a budget over 50 million you know it's like the same it, budget as the matrix movies yeah, like yeah, <laughs> exactly i don't know why they went so crazy like they did uh i i i just thought yeah i just, I just thought that they they lost a bit of the the aura of the of the actual books but neil in case you do want to go watch the movie i have in my case here mm-hmm. my uh series unfortunate event game uh it's uh i have the the movie ticket here that oh, came good. with it Fantastic. Um, and it says, thank you for purchasing the video game, our special gift to you. It's, uh, uh, you can go see it in participating theaters for free in theaters December 17th. Uh, and That's like right now. Uh, yeah, right now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it does expire, unfortunately, January oh. 31st, 2005. I think, I think Cineplex will honor that. I think, yeah, I think we're, <laughs> I think we're good. And you know what? Actually, this kind of uh, threw me for a loop, Neil. Um so this is technically a free voucher, but what it really is is it's up to a certain amount for the movie theater, and okay. the amount I guess the higher amount at this time to go see movies was six dollars and fifty cents. Oh, that hurts. That yeah. hurts. So I'm there just was gonna, no, there, there was no D box back then. So I'm just gonna go and uh, go in a hole and hmm. yeah and cry. So. Oh okay. Yeah. Well, we were also children back then, so I think that that was probably one free child ticket. We are quite a bit older now. And oh, there's a cat here. I opened the door and the cat. Oh, hi, Bandit. Well, while I'm holding Bandit here, uh, what uh, what what facts do you have about this game, Neil? Yeah. Uh, so the first fact I have about this game is that Mike owns it. Uh, he obviously <laughs> Mike Mike said that right at the front there. Uh, he got it for Christmas that one year. I never even played this game. I do remember seeing it advertised on YTV quite a bit. Uh, there was a lot of marketing around the Lemony Snicket books and movie <laughs> at the time, so the game made quite a bit of sense. It was in all of the Pizza Hut magazines or whatever that we had. The actors from the uh, the movie do reprise their roles here. We have Jim Carrey, Emily Browning, and Liam Aiken who yep. come back and do their voice acting. The baby does not, unfortunately. That's too bad. <laughs> uh, like I said, Lemony Snicket is this time Tim Curry. I wonder why Jude Law didn't want to do it. That's um, fine. Uh, I didn't. I didn't yes. like Jude Law in in the the movie either. So. Yeah. It was fine. It wasn't a standout. Like, it was fine. Very, just forgettable, but yeah. that's okay. Uh, right off the bat, though, I love the cutscene animations, how it's sort of like this animated puppet show-like thing. Yeah, they're um, really good. That's The, the yeah. cutscenes are one of the cool things about this game. Probably the coolest part about this game are the weapons mm, and, okay. and how you create them. You know, you, you because uh, it, this would actually be kind of tough as a developer trying to think, like, okay, you know, how are we going to make this into a game you know we just have these kids who have to try and get out of sticky situations mm-hmm. um we can't just give them like a sword or a gun <laughs> <laughs> no nope. and, and they also don't have like really any weapons in the movie no other than the kind of the things that they make for themselves which is what they do in the game so you have to find a whole bunch of these items and put them all together mm-hmm. and i think that's what makes this game a little brilliant is the fact that 
they're able to take a lot of mundane elements from collectathons. We, you know, we've seen so many platformers and movies who've done this. Mm-hmm. Where they just make a collectathon, basically. But um, uh, in in this game, they make the collectathon part of the mission, like part of why you're playing, and so it doesn't feel repetitive in that way. It feels like you're you're always reaching towards a new goal. And okay. I was playing it again this week. Yeah, you know, I was actually really impressed with that. I was like, wow, this this game doesn't make me want to shoot myself like some of these <laughs> other ones. Like, <laughs> I, I I gotta give it I gotta give it a lot of credit there. I want to say a couple of the 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 weapon names here too. Sure. We got the um the fruit flinger. We got the levitating loafers. The mm. brilliant bopper. That's the one I use the most. That's the one with um the big punching um the, the punching glove like the boxing glove. Okay. Uh, at the end of it with a broomstick. And the, uh, the baby booster, uh, so you can play as a sunny and bite things and levitate over things. Okay, nice. It, it, it's very creative. I'll give it that. Like it does it take. Is. Like it, it takes the movie, uh, which was already condensed, and then they had to stretch it out. It's really strange, actually. They had to <laughs> compress the books into a movie and then stretch out the movie into a game. I thought they did a really good job incorporating the book elements actually into mm. this. I thought okay. that was a, a good job and gave me a little bit more lore because there is a ton of lore oh, God, in yeah. a series of unfortunate events. And I, I think the devs actually kind of keyed into that. And so had a bit of fun with the, I think of the area with the judges and who are a pretty important part in the series as a whole. And they, they do a pretty good job here in, in the game of like uh, going into a bit of, of where these people came from and uh, a little bit of lore there when you uh, see some item descriptions a little dark souls-esque so yeah i i you know this game obviously has its problems it is a 2004 game that is just you know quite average in a lot of senses but i think Mm -hmm. the weapons and the the attention to detail of this put it over the top in terms of just a standard movie tie-in yeah, and the character models look pretty good. Uh, during cutscenes, it's a little off when they talk. Their mouths don't really sync yeah. up very well, but that was just a problem for the time, really. Uh, the one thing about this game that I think would have made it better, maybe, would have been if they made it uh, dark the entire time. Like, there's some levels here where yes. it takes place in daytime, and it doesn't look right. Like, it's meant to be a bit more of a gloomy, uh, meant to be a gloomy series, so I don't know why some of these scenes took place like in broad daylight. It looks kind of strange. Uh, I would have preferred it if it was more like an Alice Madness Returns, where it's always oh, night, it's that. always foggy, always rainy. We're, we think alike. It's pretty <laughs> obvious by now. <laughs> um, yeah, I wrote down, I said, uh, the other biggest, I, you know, I have some problems here. And I said one of the biggest problems here is the graphics. They went for like a 3D style yeah. rather than a bit of a cartoony look, which would have actually lent a lot to the story. And mm-hmm. that's where I was thinking Alice Madness Returns yeah. and, and, and really just copy that style. Obviously, Alice Madness Returns comes out you know, six years later. So uh, they they were able to learn uh, the mistakes uh, and learn from the mistakes of uh, Scooter's Unfortunate Events. I'm looking up a game right now. It's a bit more of a modern one, but yeah, this is the one. Have you ever heard of the game Don't Starve? It's, yeah, I, I have. I've never played it, but I know I've heard of it. A series of Unfortunate Events game in the Don't Starve art style would be amazing. It's 2D, or, but it's isometric. So it's kind of oh, like yeah. that 3.5 angle. So it's not 2D, but it's not 3D. Everything looks like Paper Mario style flat, uh, but it's got that storybook kind of colored in. Uh, no, like everything's just muted tones, uh, kind of Tim Burton-y, uh, Batman animated series kind of colors. But uh, yeah, I would have really preferred something more like this because this is how I picture the uh, the series of unfortunate events world. 
is yeah. like this. Yeah, me not too. so much not so much in that GameCube era 3D animation, but we got what we got, and you have a free movie ticket to go uh, to go redeem. I got a free movie ticket here uh, in my beautiful uh, case that I did try and trade in to our local GameStop uh, way back, probably in like 2008 or 2009, mm. and they told me that it was only worth a dollar, so I should just keep it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I, I've never had me I had someone actually tell me to not trade a game in, but uh, here we are in the back of the case that says, beware, this game includes one evil uncle, three clever orphans, and countless unfortunate events. Life for the Baudelaire or- Orphans is actually pretty long. Life for the Baudelaire Orphans <laughs> is incredibly unpredictable and rather unfortunate. After losing their parents in a mysterious fire, the orphans are sent to live with their sinister uncle, which is actually not true. Uh, I just realized that. He's not their uncle. He's their <laughs> third cousin four times removed or the reverse. That's like what they always say. Um, who will stop at nothing to get his greedy hands on the Baudelaire family fortune. Only by combining their talents will the orphans have a chance to defeat uh, the evil Count Olaf and his horrible henchmen. And uh, I forgot the main plot in the movie that they don't touch on as much in the book, which is uh, Olaf getting married to Violet, which yeah. is kind of a weird That was a weird thing. plot in, in, in <laughs> hindsight, yeah. Yeah, so we're just going to forget about that and move on to our next game, Neil. Move on to our next game, Mike, which is also our last game of the day. We oh, finally, finally made it to King Arthur, which came out on November 18th, 2004. This game was developed by Chrome Studios. We'll remember them from Spyro, Tie the Tasmanian Tiger, and Jimmy Neutron Games. This was published by Konami for some weird reason. It's also on <laughs> PS2, Xbox, and mobile for some weird reason. This game rates a 6 out of 10. We're nothing but consistent today. And it's priced today at around $20. This game is based on the movie starring Clive Owen, Kira Knightley, and Mads Mikkelsen, which is another stellar cast. Uh, a movie with a budget of $120 million made $203 million. So not great. And the movie has 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't remember a single darn thing about this movie. Yeah, this, uh, this movie, I mean, this game, for one, actually looks very much like... Um spartan total warrior yes uh mixed yep. with uh i guess maybe third age type style you know you're fighting a whole yeah. bunch of enemies at one time but yeah king arthur you know there's been countless countless uh, movies and books and whatever of the king arthur legend and the story uh the movie itself is kind of interesting because it's quite a different take on the arthurian legend mm-hmm. uh they they make it take place in roman britain uh, so okay. there's a lot of Roman legions that are around, and and there's kind of all that uh, costume style that they they bring about. Uh, however, they attempted to say that you know it's very they're trying to make it much more historically accurate, where it actually isn't at all. There's like <laughs> tons of historical ina- inaccuracies, yeah. and I have a a couple of fun facts here uh, about the movie. Um, okay. uh, first of all, Kara Knightley's breasts were enlarged for the U.S. theatrical film poster. <laughs> the practice angered Knightley who said that it comes from market research that clearly shows that other women refuse to look at famous actresses and stars with small, small breasts, obviously. <laughs> wow. And, um, and yeah, so she had a whole like thing against that as you should, because that's messed up. Yeah. And final Easter egg, um, Joel Egerton, who plays, uh, Sir Gowan, uh, in, in, in King Arthur, uh, also plays the Lord in the green knight uh in the movie that just came out last year oh cool and uh which is really interesting because there's actually a lot of lore implications to that because the director definitely like of, of the green knight definitely chose uh joel egerton for a reason to play mm. uh 
play the Lord. Uh, but um, so they take place in the same universe, is what you're trying to say? Well, honestly, because there's a well, yeah. I'm not. I don't want to spoil anything for for mm. people for the Green Knight because that did just come out. I mean, I can spoil everything for King Arthur, but I could spoil Spider Man right now, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <God damn> it. <laughs> but yeah, King Arthur. I mean, you know, the sword from the stone, Merlin, uh, the the Lancelot, Guinevere. You know, all, all the all the stuff that probably already know, and that mm. kind of happens here with. Um, although they take out like the love triangle of Guinevere. Okay. Uh, Lancelot and, and Arthur, which is a big part of it, and they just have Arthur roaming around killing people, and that's basically what the game is about. <laughs> now, this movie was a Disney film at the end of the day. It's touched oh, touchstone pictures. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so this is a Disney property, and the director Antoine uh, Fuqua, I can't, I'm probably I butchered that name. I'm good at butchering <laughs> names, though. Uh, he has gone on to say that like he was very highly censored by Disney. They couldn't like show much blood or too intense violence like no yeah. gore uh obviously no sex scenes or what or anything like that uh so the movie was very heavily censored from what he wanted to to show if you want uh, to see a good version of king arthur watch the green knight which is yeah, exactly it's all about sir gowan and yeah and, you know so they they do a, a, they do it justice in that sense for sure Mm-hmm. I, I I haven't seen that one yet. It looks good. I'm gonna wait until I can watch it at home. Yeah. Uh, but it's too bad because the director was the same guy who does Training Day, which is oh. a really good movie. Uh, for me, that this King Arthur movie just gets lumped into. I think we talked about this back when we talked about Total War. There was like a huge bump in just the Middle Earth slash Roman slash uh, like gladiator like gladiator movie. I think Lord of the Rings. I think of Troy. I think of like yep. so many movies that were coming out like on a semi-annual annual basis like that's why it feels almost so weird to have like arthur in roman times but they clearly did that because of the success of the gladiator and then and yeah. those other movies that you mentioned and yeah it definitely like like someone saw this and was like we also have to make this kind of movie let's do yeah. king arthur because it's in the public domain <laughs> <laughs> exactly but like another like another movie that like lord of the rings that we talked about just last week like the same time and you're comparing anytime you're going to see guys in armor and swords at, in this lord era is, is going to be compared to lord of the rings this and is not this, good <laughs> compared no, to it. <laughs> no not at all uh but let's jump into the game that was based on this film uh right off the bat the box art makes me feel very uncomfortable <laughs> the box art is so <sighs> it's it's the live care it's the live action characters yeah. which we don't see too often it's not like they're not like touched up at all like it looks like they were taken on a film photo like a camera and then, like, staring awkwardly at the camera, holding their weapons and their gear and everything. And they don't look like they want to be there. No, and neither do I. So, you know, I, <laughs> I, I understand that for sure. No. Uh, and to, to keep going with, like, the realistic characters on the, you know, on our HUD in the bottom left where our health is, mm-hmm. we have, like, a just a headshot, just a, a picture of uh, the actor in the bottom left when you're, <laughs> when you're fighting. And that really threw me off. That's strange. That's weird. I, I don't think I've ever seen, you know, just a photo. It looks like, you know, it looks like a, a selfie that you, you take uh, it, on your for your driver's license or something. You it just sounds like it. a placeholder that the developer was like, I'll fix this later. And then they didn't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, we'll make this into like a CGI like face or something. Nope. Nope. Yeah, they just ship it. All right. But I, I started up the movie, like the gameplay of this game, just to see what it looks like. And I, I kind of got mad because like graphically and sound effects wise and the music, like it's not bad. Uh, no. production wise it's okay like it's just it probably needed a few more months to really graphically look stronger a bit yeah. more like a triple a game but at the end of the day this looks kind of like rain of fire which we talked about a few years ago 
yeah. Spartan Total War. Like it's completely blurry. Uh, it's a bit of a mess, actually. Uh, combat doesn't look too bad. Like it's you know like it's. I do like that you can fight on your horse. Yeah, uh, that that is the one thing I, I wrote down that I I thought was unique in this game. I I can't think of a game where I've ever been able to like effectively fight while I'm on my horse, no. especially using swords, which is you know obviously super unrealistic, but it's <laughs> but it's fun. It is fun, and you see them do it in the movies all the time, and they make it look yeah. really easy. The only other game I can think of right now is, is Zelda: uh, Ocarina of Time or. Um, twilight princess which we haven't talked about yet but even those games like sometimes the horse combat is not as easy as it you think it would be um no no but yeah the combat is very well done and that's all you're going to be doing because if you watch the first five minutes of the game you're fighting with a sword if you scrub ahead to an hour in you're fighting with your sword and if you go to the very end you're fighting with your sword it's very repetitive very very repetitive. and it's not which is you know it's not necessarily a bad thing because this is a bit of a hack and slash Mm -hmm. game a bit yeah uh and i would say this is probably better than the movie Oh, probably. I don't think that there's a. I don't think there's a very high bar there. Uh, I did. I did laugh actually out loud when I saw. I feel like we're tearing apart this game now. I'm sorry, but uh, there's an ice level in the game that looks terrible. Like it's some of the worst looking snow fit, not physics, but just like landscape. We're from Toronto, Canada. We know what snow looks like, and it just looks bad. Like it's straight lines like it's very jagged it's very like polygonal i don't know what they were doing like it looks like they spent 10 minutes on the ice level from this game and uh just a mess uh i had to say that because it's winter here and i feel like i need to say yeah there's 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 a lot of there's definitely a lot of issues in this game but it's not horrible at all again it's a six out of Mm ten sometimes seven out of ten i've seen um i'm sure i can see a lot of people having nostalgia for this game as well Mm -hmm. Because I definitely would if I played this game at the time. Because I would definitely love being a Roman just killing people. I guess. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, and a Lord of the Rings style action game, which is, you know, give me more of those all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll always enjoy that. Uh, the physics also um, are apparently quite good in this game for the time. Uh, there's not some crazy, you know, glitching action that you, you'll have. The physics are pretty grounded in reality. Okay. So, yeah, I mean... It just, I would say the worst part of this is the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame. But there's over yeah. 20 minutes of film content in the game. So if you didn't like the movie, there's 20 minutes of the game that you're guaranteed not to love. Perfect. Great. There's something about seeing a battle scene of like a bunch of soldiers on a field and just like a, like a storm of arrows flying out. I love that. Like anytime yeah, you see that in a film, it, there's always like that, hell Yeah. All right, let's read the back of the case here and close out this two-hour-long episode. My gosh. (laughs) King Arthur, live the true story behind the legend. Nope. Join the round table. Play as five characters, including Arthur, Lancelot, and Guinevere, each with unique weapons and skills. Play the movie. Carry out the round table's final duties in over 20 levels, painstakingly recreated from the film, painstakingly played by the player. (laughs) <laughs> Fight like a knight, sword fighting melee, archery attacks, and an innovative horse battle system. There you go. Yeah, see? Yeah, yeah, yeah there it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was good. Right on. Bonus features, over 20 minutes of film content. Unlock behind-the-scenes making of the game. I love how there's no making of the film. They're like, no, we don't want you to see that. I'd actually, I, I didn't, you know what? I didn't even think to look for that. I'd actually, I'd actually be down to watch the uh, the making of the game for this because okay games are okay games. It's 2004, you know, it's uh, 17 years ago. Yeah, as much as we trash on games, I can never develop one. So although Star Star Skin Hutch, I'm sorry, I just <laughs> I think I think I could develop a Star Skin Hutch game if you gave me <laughs> yeah. enough time. <laughs> I got no love for that. That one people can come at me for. <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't mind. But with that, Mike, we talked about nine games today. Are there any of these? games that you'd suggest uh, the folks out there pick up or are there any that you're looking for 
Yeah, so there's a couple here. Um, funny enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, Enter the Matrix is, you know, one that I have now that I'm happy I got because it is so different. Nice. And, and just well done in a lot of different ways. Like, uh, the ambition of it is is definitely there. And if you play it, you, you'll probably have some issues with the controls like I did. But I think overall, if you're a fan of the franchise and want to kind of go back into the matrix when the the new movie comes out at 15 bucks yeah it's a it's a steal great cover art too it's holographic so you gotta love that yeah, not too many holographic uh, cases in the gamecube library no and lots and also we didn't we didn't really mention this but so many atari games because another atari mm-hmm. game that i would be down to pick up is terminator 3 the redemption because that game actually looks good mm-hmm. in comparison to the other uh terminator <laughs> games yes like the one that you researched for the show <laughs> yeah so those would be my two pickups okay nice i like that i, I think i might want to play the matrix i know that you own it so i won't be looking for it uh but if i can find a copy of that mission impossible game i wouldn't mind trying it like it, it looks like a fun enough game to play i'm always looking for more bond like experiences uh while i'm waiting for the new james bond game so operation surma might be kind of fun to play if i can find it at a good price and uh mm-hmm. shark tale like honestly that looks like a it's kind of a fun little game to play. It doesn't look too complicated. Okay. You can be in and out in three hours. Not too expensive. Uh, I think it's a quality movie tie-in, to be honest. Uh, so that's really what we're looking for today. I highly suggest everybody out there pick up Terminator The Redemption. If you're into shooters, if you're into Terminator, uh, it's one of the better Terminator experiences you can find. There's new Terminator games being made now. There's one that came out a few years ago that was not very good, I don't think. Uh, I don't think it reviewed super well. There's some awkward scenes in that one that's a first person shooter though so i think that you play Mm -hmm. as one of the marines i don't think you play as a terminator in that one and uh i'm looking forward to eventually watching dark fate because apparently that's a good movie and i completely forgot it came out and assumed it was bad so yeah (laughs) and and of course we're both looking forward to the new matrix which will Mm -hmm. uh be coming out this week and uh if you haven't already watch gameplay of the matrix demo the unreal demo because it is it is so cool yeah, it looks absolutely incredible. If you're on the fence about getting a current-gen console, definitely check that one out. I cannot wait to get a PS5, hopefully sometime in 2022. And Mike, that uh, brings me to my last question of the day. Are there any movie tie-ins that you'd like to see in 2022? Like, we haven't seen a movie tie-in in a long time, at least like a really good quality one. I can't think of one, at least. Uh, I know that we talked about movie tie-ins a year ago. I'll kick it off. Uh, I did just see sure. the new Spider-Man movie, and I would really like to see another movie tie-in Spider-Man game. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> that sounded so deflated. <laughs> yeah, because I know it's not happening no. for about a thousand reasons. I know. Superhero tie, like there's so many superhero games nowadays, and I think it's starting to get a little bit saturated, so I feel kind of bad picking uh, a superhero game right off the bat Well, like I just, that. Th- there aren't any, well, see, the thing is, there's no dedicated superhero games. There's tons of superhero team games. You know, you have like your Avengers and stuff like that, but you don't have like just a a one-off Captain America game or an Iron Man game or something like that. So that, you know... I, I really wish we, we, we could get those again. Well, there's, you know, that's kinda... there's the PS4 Spider-Man games, and then there's the they're making a Wolverine game right now, too. Okay, well, well I, was gonna, I was about to say that the Spider-Man games are the only one where we have a standalone, so... Mm-hmm. If if they make a Wolverine game, sure, I'll play that. <laughs> there's the, uh, the the Arkham Arkham City games as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we there's a few out there, but they're they're few and far between mm, for sure. Yeah. Um, in terms of like movie tying games, I can't. It's even a tough play. question because the, there's not many movies <laughs> right now. Yeah, because the mate honestly. Like the Matrix would have been my pick if I didn't realize that they are ha- they have this demo out. Yeah, I, I do. You think they're gonna make that into a full length game? 
I hope so, there but I go. don't think they will. Nah. Uh, at least, well, who knows? Uh, <laughs> there's there's really no way to know at this point. There's because no way to know. I mean, in theory, they could. Mm-hmm. But, um, it, yeah, I don't know. Uh, ask me again in, in 2022, because uh, I'd have to think of also movies. Uh, the, yeah. the only thing I could think of is, like, maybe having some more Disney games or Pixar, or Disney yeah. movies or Pixar movies into movie tie-ins. I think that would be pretty cool, especially for kids. Sure. I don't think there's enough really good kids games out there. I agree. Uh, you know, we don't have kids ourselves, obviously, but, like... Uh, I think, you know, if I was a parent and I really liked video games, I would like to have some, some new kids games for my kids to play, uh, that were in their world and Mm -hmm. something that they can grow up with. Yeah. Some more choices. I feel like that there were way more choices for us when we were kids and less so today, like not, not to, you know, throw shade at Minecraft and Fortnite and Among Us, but those are the kind of like the games that it seems like kids play and there's nothing else that they can play based on their uh, their favorite cartoons. I could be wrong. Yeah. We're, like you said, we're not parents. I'm sure that we'll find a way to find games for them to play. We'll have an amazing GameCube library by the time we have kids. <laughs> there we go. Yes, yes. But Michael, we're out there. I was going to say, well, we're out there making kids, but that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're out there looking for games to show our kids someday. Why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on the GameCube with School podcast? Next week is our year in review because we're hitting up the end of 2021, New Year's Eve, or around there at least. Uh, and we are going to have a little side mission and just talk about the year that was, talk about some stats, uh, talk about what we want to see next year for um, for games, movies, everything like that. And um, we're also going to talk about a couple, of our, a couple of our goals. And Neil, I will let you know if I did a cartwheel or not. Oh boy, I can't wait. You have one more week to land a cartwheel. So uh, get that on my desk for, uh, for next Thursday. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, no problem. So, yeah, this is the last GameCube-related podcast of the year. It's been a terrific 2021. We're looking forward to diving right back into it. First week, we'll be back uh, 2022. Don't know what day of the month that is off the top of my head, but uh, whatever that first Thursday is, we'll be here to talk about some more GameCube games. But Party games. Party games, that's right. We're going to celebrate Mike's birthday and the new year with a bang with the party games. So, uh, thank you so much, everybody out there, for all the support. Of course, everybody on Patreon who has uh, supported us this year, everyone who messages us on instagram you are all absolutely incredible we can't thank you enough for you know showing our show to your friends and uh commenting on all of our posts and everything we really enjoy doing this show and uh we look forward to doing it even more next year but until then ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening to episode 78 of the gamecube is cool podcast new episode every thursday on all the major podcast services if you want to support the show you can go to patreon.com forward slash the gamecube was cool then you can follow us for free on instagram we are at the GameCube Pod. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Morpheus, Neil says, the red pill. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. I think I would just say the blue pill. I'd just be like, you know what? I'm good. That's fine. Uh, blue pill it is. I love the Bo Burnham thing. Like, oh, you know what? I'm starving. I'll take both. <laughs> <laughs>